Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate that it takes forever to completely get over a cold. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's basically how I feel. Yeah, Just... I'm not that bad, but this is this is my voice. I think you can tell from both of us that we're sick. Yep. Yeah, I, I mine has kind of come and gone a little bit, and today I'm like more congested than I was yesterday. Like I feel mostly fine. Like I'm not. Because typically when I get, like, a bad cold, I have, like, aches and pains, and I'm just always tired, and I just feel, like, a little bit nauseous all the time. I don't have any of that. I'm just congested, and I have a cough, so I have that, like, tickle in my chest all the time. And that's really all it is, which is quite annoying. Uh, And it's been over a week for me at this point. Um, Oh, hell no, dude. It's It's been been a long time, dude. It's been two weeks for me. I I think I've had two colds, I think, is the way it worked. Because I was last two weeks ago, after we recorded last episode, we went over to my in-laws for our, like, gender reveal party, etc. Oh, no, I guess we recorded the podcast after that. But we um, were around my niece and nephew. And then, like, the next day... Our uh, my brother and sister in law texted us and we're like, hey, guess what? The kids were sick, and we're like, oh, good, because we were like with them all day, playing with them all day long, and sure enough, I got a cold and I was sick like all week, just feeling gross. And then when we were out of town for your wedding, which we need to talk about a little bit, what? I felt like ass those first couple of days, like the two days before, I felt awful. I had something else, some other kind of virus on my tongue that it was all swollen and like it was bad, swollen taste buds and stuff. And it just, it was like I burnt the shit out of my tongue. It was awful. Yeah. But I started feeling better. And then like Friday night for your bachelor party, I felt pretty much good. And then during the wedding, that I probably felt had a lot to do much, with the drinking. <laughs> that's fair. But even like on Saturday during the wedding, I felt pretty okay most of the time. Like it was still like sniffly and stuff, but I was mostly okay. And then the next morning, that's when it was like, nope, I'm fucking done. So the way it happened for me is I was fine. I was doing great. I was just very tired and stressed out because of the wedding. Then you rolled into town Thursday night and you were sick. Uh We had dinner with you. Yeah. And then I woke up Friday morning and my throat hurt. And my throat started hurting more and more throughout the day. So we got to my bachelor party, and it's the first time all my friends have ever been in one place. And so I wasn't about to take it easy, and I didn't. (laughs) And then it was really, really bad. But thankfully, I was drunk, so I didn't notice how bad it was. And then I woke up on Saturday, the day of the wedding, and I felt terrible. Yeah. My stomach was a mess from the drinking, and I was all congested. My throat was killed. Pardon me. My throat was killing me. Uh, Sunday was the same Monday. I didn't feel bad anymore. It was just, I was all congested and I started getting this bad cough Tuesday. The cough moved down to my chest. And then on Wednesday, it was like really, really deep chest cough. And then Thursday, Mm -hmm. I finally went back to work. Um, and now, and now here we are and I'm still kind of like battling the colds and I cough every now and then, but I'm mostly getting over it. Because usually the way it works for me is I get sick, and then I get a cough, the cough moves down into my chest, and I cough it all out, and then I'm done. 
yeah, my wife has started getting sick the last couple of days. Uh-oh. And so it's like, as I started feeling better, she started feeling worse. And then I started feeling worse again. So that's why I think it was like, I got hit with it twice in a row. Or even like, yeah, frankly, probably. three times. Because it was like, my niece and nephew gave it to me. And then I was starting to feel better. And then all the stuff with the wedding. And we were outside and it was cold. So then I felt awful those next couple of days. And then like, Tuesday, Wednesday, I started feeling like pretty okay. And then the Wednesday afternoon is when it started picking back up. Or no, I guess it was Thursday afternoon. And I, that's why I worked up from home on Friday just because I felt like shit again. And so today on a Saturday, I'm not feeling awesome. But it's have mostly you, just the congestion and the cough. Everything else yeah. is pretty pretty okay. Have you taken any like antibiotics or anything? No, I'm not allowed to take antibiotics. My wife vetoes them. But I take – like I'll take DayQuil, okay. but that's it. She doesn't like antibiotics. They're not good for your for your body. They're better for your body than being sick. That's actually that's like, not. That's like the one true. medicine that I will take is antibiotics. It's you know it's one of those things. This is something she feels very strongly about, and it is one of the things like on you know there's a list of thirty things where her and I don't see eye to eye, and this is one of those thirty things that it's easier for me to just go along with her than to start an argument about it. There are other there are other stances that I have to take. This yeah. is not one of them. You could just pick them up and take them without telling her. Yeah, but I'm not going to do that. You this is or you, or you so could here. pull the or you could pull the my body my choice on. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. <laughs> but this is you got this is something you got to learn now, Kyle, because you're a married man. No, sometimes you just need to do what makes the other person happy, even though it doesn't make you happy. No, that's part I of will it. never compromise on anything, and my marriage <laughs> will last forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's what some people tend to think. Yeah, to sadly. be fair. And uh, guess what? Those people's marriages don't last forever. No, shocker. And hey, turns out I, I that's a lie because I I had stage crew today for five hours and I did not get anywhere near the volume of work done that I thought I would because I'm an idiot and cut a bunch of wood the wrong length so I had to redo it all. Um, and I just wanted to come home and do the podcast, mm-hmm. but no, my wife mm-hmm. wanted McDonald's. So I had to go to the really horrible McDonald's in town. The line takes forever. And I had to, I had to compromise. I have sat in that line now. Yeah, I had to compromise. Yes, you have. I had to compromise. So this is the infamous McDonald's from last episode right. where um, I had, uh, what, 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 what did we call them? Anal contractions. Anal contractions. Yep. <laughs> it comes in waves. Yep. Um, <laughs> this is the infamous McDonald's. Uh, and I had to go sit in that line before I could come home from a very hard very very hard five hours of frustrating work but that's okay it's part of it you guys are a team she'll do that for you at some point i'm sure you know what she better (laughs) that's that's the only reason you did this it has to all even out keep track of every single thing you do for her and make sure that she does an equal amount of things for you that's healthy we have a we have a scale in the house and we have beads every time we do something nice one of us puts it on our side and okay. if the scales are imbalanced, then we get to be selfish for a while. No, we do not do that. That would be That is crazy. not actually a terrible idea. No, that is the worst <laughs> idea. That's a horrible idea. <clears throat> yeah, it's probably a horrible idea. But all that said, you and I are both getting over being sick, so we'll try to avoid it where we can, but apologies in advance for any uh, coughing that may happen yeah. or sniffling that may happen. Um, we're, also both, so, uh, we're also both married now. 
That's right, man. We have Isn't that it good common. to say your wife? Um, it doesn't change much for me. It's just a different word that I tell. Oh people. man, I love it. I love it. And you maybe know? it's because I hated fiance so much. I hated um, referring. To yeah, her as fiance, my fiance just sounds a little pretentious. Yeah, it's like oh my fiance, my fiance, <laughs> the bull <poor> baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like it, man. I like saying my wife. wife. Yeah, it feels cool. Maybe you'll get there. It's only been a week. Yeah. Hey, to the day. That's right, man. And actually, to the hour. We're recording this at four on a Saturday. Well, I guess we'll so not really to the hour because you wouldn't have been officially married yet. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll stop the podcast in about ten minutes. Yeah. Well, do you know actually what the minute was? I wasn't keeping track. No, because we told everyone not to have their phones out. Yeah. So we don't. It's nebulous. Yeah, it could be any time. I would guess somewhere between 4.15 and 4.25. Yeah. Judging from the length of the ceremony. Yeah. It's probably a good guess. I'm going to say 4.20 because 4.20. I was just going to say it's got to be 4.20. That has to be the one. <laughs> that was like when we adopted our dog and we didn't know his birthday. And they said it was sometime in April. That's as big as the, that's as big of a guess as they could make. And we were like, okay, well, his birthday is 4.20 just because. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so our boy was born on 4.20. Yeah. So, you're married. Uh-huh. So, what do you want? Do you want us to talk about the wedding at all and how stuff went? And It was it was good. Yeah? All right. Cool. I was, I was sick, but it was good. It she, was she, good. She had a lot of fun. Well, I hope you also had fun. You had fun. Uh, in spots, yeah. I I, I'm like just happier about, like, having all my friends in one place and, and you. Sure. And you, because you're one of my friends, Shay, you know, included. Man. So yeah, it was good to. That's that was my big takeaway. Apart from you know the woman I spend the rest of my life with, apart <laughs> right. from the ceremony, which right. was a lot of fun. Um, oh, okay. I guess I should tell that story. So uh, I had a medieval Renaissance wedding. Whoever's listening probably knows that already, but in case you don't, so during the ceremony, I wore a suit of armor. Mm-hmm. Um, not like a full coverage suit of armor. It was like plates and parts, like that kind of cover the front and some of the side. Um, so part of the ceremony, because she and I kind of wrote the ceremony and how it would go, since it's kind of a unique thing. Um, we did some research and kind of compiled our favorite bits and bobs of like old Celtic ceremonies and old other medieval and European ceremonies, and and kind of mishmashed them together and with what we like. So there's a part where all of the groomsmen and myself have to get knighted, and that's kind of how it starts. So I have to kneel in all this armor. So the pants I'm wearing are pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I – so I get all the armor on before the ceremony. I'm like, I should practice kneeling because this armor is kind of ungainly, and I don't want to accidentally, like, fall over or whatever. <laughs> right. So I should probably practice. be pretty memorable, though. Yeah. So I practice kneeling in my armor, and I get down on one knee, and my pants split the fuck wide open. Like, mm-hmm. like huge, like, you could almost fit my whole manhood through the hole. That's how big that hole was. You like that? Let's Did you like skip that? right past that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a very large hole. And so the nice thing about the pants, though, is that it kind of has, like, this weird, like, cod piece that's, like, secured with ties. Because then you could just, like, untie the ties and then do your business. 
um, and then retie it. So those kind of hid the hole right in the gooch. Well, and they were they were black pants. Yeah, they were black. And you were and red. wearing black underwear underneath. Yes. So honest, like you really could not tell at all. Right. It's it's funny, but you really couldn't see anything. Right. And then during the ceremony, when I knelt, they ripped even more to the point where they are basically useless now. Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't really think about it. Like I could kneel without the armor on, but when you put the armor on, it's secured to me with straps, and so all mm-hmm. that fabric is being like held tight against my skin, and there's no give. So yeah. I just r- ripped it right up, man. It's part of the memories. Yep. Memories. <laughs> It'll always be a fun anecdote. <laughs> I thought that I had everybody by my side. <laughs> what about the uh, money melee? That w- that to me was the other uh, really fun moment. Yeah, I was too exhausted to really have a lot of fun with that, and it got dark really quick, so I couldn't see mm-hmm. very well. But the videographer had, like, a huge light attached to his camera that he kind of spotlighted it with. But I basically, like, built a ring, like, all these stakes in the ground with kind of rope um, between them. And then I built, like, a weapon rack. And I had all these foam weapons um, that people could choose from. And they could, like – because we did a dollar dance, which is where people pay money to dance with the groom and the bride. And then I also did the money melee after that, which is people pay money to come fight me with the foam weapons. Um, and to be clear, you say foam weapons, but these aren't like Nerf flimsy foam. These foam weapons were hard. Yeah, they have PVC pipe cores, but then like, they hurt. They can. Yeah, but not really. <laughs> not that bad. It, if you hit hard, they, enough. they hurt enough that you don't want to get to hit get by hit, them, which is good. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. it's good. Um, so I had three swords, three shields, and then a big old warhammer and an axe that people were using. And there were these two kids there that were just beating the shit out of each other earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. That was my source of entertainment before the ceremony. <laughs> it was funny. Everyone's like, should we tell them to stop? Because they were, like, really going at it with each other. And this one – it was very one-sided between these two kids. And I was like, no. Like, if that kid doesn't want to fight, he should tell the other kid to stop. And he should, like, run away. He needs to learn. Anyways, yes. if he's going to. Yeah. Yeah. He's letting the other kid go. Like, and yes, right. They, they did that for like a whole hour. Yeah. That was fun to watch. It was pretty good. <laughs> that was our it was our pre ceremony entertainment. Yeah. And the Warhammer has just like a really good like smack sound. It doesn't hurt, but it just has a really good like whap smack sound. And so yeah. like we're getting ready for the wedding. It's just like whap, 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 whap. And it's like two kids <laughs> yelling at each other. It's pretty good. Anyways, children fighting is fun. So. Uh, yeah, so I, I got to a few fights in, but it was very exhausting, um, and it was very dark, so that wasn't really what I had imagined. It just got dark faster than I thought it would, because it took longer to get through the food and the speeches and the dancing and sure. all that than I thought it would as well. Um, it always does. Yeah. But it was a good time, man. Lots of good dancing, really good food. The mead was interesting. It was very I took- strong. I took a sip of it and decided I didn't need to take another one. Yeah. But like I'm glad it was a fun thing that it was there. I wish that the the caterer made or maybe would have made an announcement of specifically what it was that people knew. Right. But it was it was a cool thing. Yeah. After I, that it, first it felt toast. After that first toast, there's everybody kind of was kind of silence, like, and everyone's like, <laughs> "Oh." I think it's, people people assumed it was champagne. Right. And so it was an unexpected flavor. <laughs> Boy, it sure was. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. It, the um, party started. It definitely. It tasted better than it smelled. It smelled like rubbing alcohol, yes. like straight up rubbing alcohol. Yeah. And it tasted like it had a bit of a sweet flavor, but it right. was quite it was... strong. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty strong. 
Um, was it was I, it was was it like twenty percent? Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, it was like twenty. He said it could be anywhere from like twenty to twenty-five. Okay, which is crazy. Yeah, that's pretty um, strong. Yeah, that's extremely strong. And like, because my stomach had just started feeling better, and so mm. I didn't drink it during the toast. So I was just drinking water the whole time. And mm. then I tried it later, and it totally turned my stomach around again, and like mm. completely undid all progress <laughs> I had made, which was all bad that news. hard work, that yeah. mental fortitude, right? So, I mean, like, for me, the fun part was the bachelor party the night before and then, like, kind of getting ready and just joking around and hanging out and then mm-hmm. the ceremony. Everything after that I could forget about forever and I'd be fine. You're not a big party person. No, I'm not. And, like, Kara danced for, like, three hours and she had a lot of fun and sure. that part of the wedding was definitely more about her and that totally fine with me i had my time that's actually a comment that kelly made when we were there was her thing was like it's cool to see like two people you guys that can do your own thing like be independent and have fun independent of one another because that's really important in a marriage i think there are lots of couples out there that are so joined at the hip at all times yeah i just don't feel like that's healthy so it's (laughs) it's good to be able to to be in the same place but having fun separately, I think that's that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think like just even the way we have our office set up is kind of like indicative of that. Like I have my side of the desk, sure. and then we have an extension in the middle, and then she has her corner desk. Um, and it's so, like we have our own spaces, but we can be in the same room doing what we want. Um, right. And then like if I'm watching a video, she can just turn and watch it with me or whatever it may be. Like it's that's a nice it versatile for, setup. For- for Kelly and I, like that's one of my fav- most favorite things of like if it's a Sunday and we're just hanging out at home, if I'm like playing a video game and she's on the couch next to me like on her iPad doodling or looking through Instagram or like reading something, just being in the same space with her but us doing our own thing. That's like my favorite weekend thing for <laughs> us to do. Right. I also like spending time with her. I like doing stuff with her too. I don't want to put across the wrong impression, but it's just nice. It's not after being with her for 10 years. It's just nice to be able to exist together and do our independent thing. That, and that have that be enough most of yeah. the time. Enough like closeness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, cool, man. I mean, anything else about the wedding that, that stood out? It was a fun time. All the gifts, dude. We have so yeah. much shit. We have like <laughs> awesome. we have all new silverware. We have all new plates and dishes. We have all new pots and pans. All new bakeware. We have a new blender, a new crockpot, a new hand mixer. Um, just like all that. We have a new microwave because I've still been using the microwave from college that I've never cleaned. It was, it's so disgusting, it was so man. Gross. It is like I would uh, no, I would I was, not be able to use it. Yeah, I it was, is so gross. I mean, you could feasibly go in and clean it because yes, like, it's you not could. like you're right. <laughs> I just never it is have. possible to clean that microwave, right? So I think yep. we're gonna, we're gonna try and sell it because like it's still like a cool red. No microwave. one's gonna buy that. No, we'll clean it though. We clean it first. So so now when you're done using it is when you're going to clean it. I didn't clean it because we asked for a new slightly larger one that was stainless steel to match our aesthetic in the kitchen for the wedding. Okay. So I was like, so, I don't so want to bother with this. Three years ago, you looked at that filthy microwave and said, you know what? When we get married in three years, we'll get a new microwave. I don't need to clean this now. No, it was in a box then. It came out of the box after like a year and a half so that... We could use it in the house. And at that point, I was like, this is gross. And I we, I, I just still didn't clean it. 
That's my point. That is ridiculous logic. You are using the disgusting microwave. Now you are done using it, and so you're going to clean it. It makes so no sense. So we can sell it. I. Well, also, okay, here's my thing. Is even if there's gunk and shit in the microwave, it's not bad because everything you put in there, it nukes it. So it's not like there's like nasty shit growing because it gets nuked all the time. It's still fucking disgusting, though. Yeah. Like, I'd be able... Oh, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's, it's disgusting. Because, like, it doesn't mold or whatever because it's Ugh. been nuked so many times. It's sterile. Ugh. It's fine. It is... It, it is and I, and I don't like I don't mean this in a mean way, but so that people listening, you need the perspective. It is not even close. It is the most disgusting microwave I've ever seen in my entire life. Not even it is not even close. It is so like how, disgusting. how many fucking microwaves have you investigated? A ton. I've seen a ton of microwaves. I've well, been in college. I'll dorm take that fucking metal with dude. cleaner microwaves than that. I'll take one. that metal. You can put it on my tombstone, bro. Ugh. Dirtiest here microwave. Li- here lies Kyle, king of the dirty microwave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what do you we say we, we talk stuff. about something else besides your dirty microwave? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. All right. Last last week it was my dirty asshole. This week it's oh, my God. dirty microwave. Oh. <laughs> no also okay this so our plumbing has a problem where like it gets backed up really easily so last this past year like not that long ago we had to pay a dude to come and snake our line um yeah. to like clean it out and it's already fucking like backing up and clogging again like when we run the washer it comes up in the tub i'm pissed because it gets like a hundred some bucks and we have because like the outflow is on our front porch next to our front door so, like, okay. toilet paper comes up out of there and, like, shit water. Ugh. Yeah, I'm pissed. Like, we use Drano all the time and, like, ugh, pisses me off. It makes me wonder if, like, we need new pipes, which means I have to dig up the front yard and it'd be thousands of fucking dollars. Yep. Which isn't happening, so. All of this is, like, makes me panic about buying a house. Well, like, whatever. Like, you could still use the sh- stuff. Like, you just... Use Drano. Be very stingy on how much toilet paper you use. Don't run the the washer when you're taking a shower. Don't flush the toilet when you're running the washer. Like it's you just adjust until you can afford to get it fixed. I know it's just it just all of the unseen costs. That's what it is. That yeah. stuff makes me panic. But that's what that's what homeowners insurance explode. is for for that stuff. Like the bigger yeah, stuff. Yeah, I guess. Well, all right. What do you say we dive in? Sure. Um, so, I finished Spider-Man, which was a big thing. You got the Platinum? I, yeah, I got the Platinum Trophy. So, I was really close to the end of the game, and just because I'm kind of OCD, I wanted my last trophy to be beating the game. Like, I didn't want to load back into the world and still have to do a bunch of side stuff, so I did all of it at once. And I'd kind of piecemealed through. I had already found all the little backpack collectibles. I had done a bunch of the side challenges and everything. But it was just really mopping it up. The thing that was the most tedious is they have crimes. Like these emergent crimes that happen. Just as you're like swinging around the city, it'll be like, oh, hey, someone's stealing this car. Like, oh, hey, the Mr. Mr. Negative enemies are beating up citizens and that kind of shit. And those were the ones that took the longest because I had the most of them still to do. 
because there are so many different types. Because, like, obviously, inside New York City and Manhattan, there are, like, eight zones, right? And you need to 100% each zone in order to get the Platinum Trophy. Inside each zone, there are, like, two research stations, three backpacks, a fucking pigeon that you have to chase down, a Fisk hideout you need to take over a mr negative hideout you need to take over a sable hideout you need to take over a prisoner hideout you need to take over and all of those are like the big combat challenges where you can sneak for a little bit but eventually it just becomes like you have to beat 50 dudes and all those like everything is fun to do even the crimes are fun to do but so there are like all everything i just described there's like two of them in each zone except for the crimes there are like you have to do like five doctor neg or mr negative crimes five escaped prisoner crimes five car theft crimes five other crimes five other crimes and then five other crimes and so like that content there's so much more of that stuff than there are all the other challenges that that becomes really tedious. So at the end of the game, I'm just in a zone, swinging in circles, waiting for one of them to pop up. And that's just not really uh, fun. Yeah, that's obnoxious. So, and, like, and I did a really good job, I thought, of doing the side activities whenever they were nearby me. And so I feel like it just shows that it, it was just unbalanced in the development. That there are too many crimes that you have to do. So right. anyway, I, I knocked all that shit off, beat the game. So I got the Platinum. I'm glad I did it. Like, I fucking loved this game. I'm glad I got the Platinum. And especially, I, I always love getting Platinums where you don't have to beat the game twice. That's always a big plus for me. Because I just don't have time to play through a huge game like this twice. But, right. Um, so, I was kind of surprised. Because the game has, and I've heard other people talking about this. The game has a very, like, in general, very positive outlook on New York City. And it's kind of like Peter Parker's filter that he puts on the world. And it's just kind of like optimistic. Even if bad stuff's happening, it's still just like there's a there's hopefulness there. And that's very refreshing in all these post-apocalypse fucking dark-ass games. I really liked that. Okay. The end of this story fucking goes places. Like it gets pretty dark, and that was surprising to me and also like not disappointing cuz it was effective, but it was like kind of clashed aesthetically with the rest of the story. Where, like, it started taking... It's not that the earlier part wasn't taking itself seriously or, like, it didn't have gravitas, but there was just that, like, positivity to it. That fun aspect, even when bad stuff was happening. And it lost a lot of that fun aspect right towards the end of the game. So which why it do just you felt think a little that like, is? Like, why do you think they chose to do that? I just... Th- there was There's a big emotional moment that happens. And obviously they want that moment to have a lot of weight. And so they can't play it light they have to really make it heavy and so and i get like i get why they would do that and it was effective but it just felt too different in tone from the rest of the game so it wasn't as effective as it maybe could have been i don't have a better solution given like that's the story beat that they wanted to happen i i don't know how i would have played it to make it better but that was just something that stood out to me and i mean it kind of like broke the immersion a little bit for me playing the game at that moment. Um, so that's that's just weird because I feel like a tonal, like a drastic tonal change like that would make it more effective. Do you think huh. it just wasn't as... So I don't know, like why do you think... Was it just not as effective for you? Or do, do well, you obviously. Like, like kind of objectively think 
it was not that effective. Um, I mean, I don't, I feel, I can't say it was, it's objective because it's just my opinion. Right. Um, but I do, th- and like I said, like, I don't have a solve for this. I'm not the game developer, but at least for me playing through it, the weight of that last moment didn't hit me with as full of force because in my mind I was like, Ooh, this feels weird compared to the rest of the game. Like it just broke that immersion a little bit. Okay. Um, but still an absolutely phenomenal game. Definitely very high up on my top 10 list. And it's interesting because playing through the whole game, you know, I always like to compare stuff, right? Even stuff that's kind of apples to oranges. And so I look at this game compared to God of War, which up until this point, God of War has been like the game for me this year. I still have issues with it, obviously, but my overall experience was overwhelmingly positive. And like part of what made God of War so special were the, um, the emotional moments, that connection between Kratos and Atreus and like that story that they told. And Spider-Man's story was nowhere near as effective as that story up to the point that I had played. Cause like the whole thing with the secret, um, Sinister no, what, Six. What is it? Sinister Six. Thank you. I was saying. I was gonna say Suicide Squad, and I was gonna say Secret Se- Secret Six, which is an other DC thing. Anyway, so Sinister Six. That whole it was just kind of like wrote a little bit. A lot of the per- interpersonal stuff in Spider Man was very good, but it wasn't hitting me with the same emotional weight as something like God of War did. And then the end of the game happened, and there was there are a couple like oh fuck emotional moments in Spider Man that I'm like damn dude like they really did go for that just like God of War did. Not the whole game, obviously, and it's not the same level, but there's a lot more meat to Spider-Man than it just being a really fun mechanical video game. So anyway, it's just an interesting comparison between the two because they're obviously very different in what they're going for, but they do hit similar narrative beats uh, throughout the stories, so it's cool. But Do you think um, if they played it lighter, like throughout the whole thing, including the ending, that you would have enjoyed it more as a whole package or do you like that they changed it even if it might not have been like as effective for you i mean do you still i mean clearly you still appreciate what they were going for but do you think it like in the end it benefited the end product or no um i would say i would not have liked it as much if the game was more serious so it's kind of hopeful attitude i think was really really a positive decision like that. It was just, it's just so refreshing to play a game like that just because right. Oh, big open world games with the big focus on characters and story. They're all dark. Like they're all so de- fucking depressing. Cause that's, that's just true. the way that that's just the way that stories are. Movies are the same way. Like you're never going to find a really, really solid character movie. That's a comedy. They just like, that doesn't really happen that often. And so this is kind of the same way. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's 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 really hard to compare that last beat to the rest of the game, just right. because I wouldn't I wouldn't really want to change either one. Like I said, like I don't have a way of making that better. It's just something that did stand out to me a little bit that made it less effective. Uh, but I don't know. Overall, like honestly, when I got the platinum, I was a little bit bummed. Because, like, I had literally done everything in the game. I had 100%ed everything. So I was just kind of bummed of, like, I guess, like, I'm done playing the game. Even after putting, I don't, I don't even know, probably 40 hours at least into this game, I still wanted to play more of it. So I was kind of sad to see it end. And then I saw that the new DLC is coming out, like, in a week. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, right. that's going to be, I'm going to be able to dive right back into that. So right. I will definitely be playing the black cat DLC and be able to talk about that on the next episode. So looking forward to that. 
Um, I've also still been playing a little bit of Pokemon Heart Gold. Uh, last episode, my guys were level 42. Got them up to level 44 now. It is... It just takes fucking forever. Like, it takes an... To get all of my, all six of my guys up one level takes about an hour of grinding. Jeez. Just because, like, I'm getting, like, 200 XP from the enemies I'm fighting. It's fucking crazy. And there are a couple other areas that have higher level guys, but, like, all the guys there are rock enemies. And so some of my dudes... I'm not going to be able to fight those guys effectively and, and train my guys effectively with all rock guys, you know? So it's right. just, or like all water guys, it's the same problem. So it's just fucking tedious. But I, because I've been so busy and not able to listen to my fantasy football podcast every day, that's what I've been doing. Like when I want to catch up on my fantasy football podcast, I'll put that on and play Pokemon. So it's, it's not as tedious as it could be. Cause at least I have something else to distract me. Right. And then finally, I did actually start a new game. So last night, I started Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So I'm only about an hour in. I just got to the point where I'm at, like, the first camp. So, that, so like, I, the game seems like it's going to actually open up now. Up until this point, it's been very linear, kind of some tutorial stuff, some story setup stuff. So I think I'm, like, actually in the game now. Um, it seems to be taking itself very seriously, which... The first two games also took themselves seriously, but this, like, there's something about it that I'm not, I don't know, I'm just not super into it at this point, and I think it's because neither of the stories in the previous games were, like, all that effective for me, and so knowing that there's another one now, I'm just not that, like, excited to figure out what's happening with this new villain and the new MacGuffin that we're chasing. It's just kind of, like, kind of bored with it a little bit. Uh, so hopefully once I get more into the meat of the game and doing a little bit more of the exploration and the tombs and stuff, that's what I like in these games is the gameplay part of it. So hopefully that, that connects with me as well as it did in the first two. It also is weird because, I mean, I'm playing on a, on a pro and the game looks very, very good. But there's something weird about the Lara Croft to model because like it's that uncanny valley thing where... The expressiveness is pretty decent, and I compare it to Spider-Man, which the acting performances in that game were awesome. And they didn't have that, like, dead, glazed eye look. Like, there was actual emotion that you could sense, which was, like, really, really impressive, especially okay. in a game that's so huge. But in this, I'm getting a little bit it's, – it's just not as good. I'm getting a little bit of that uncanny valley, and particularly with Lara's model, because, like – Obviously, she's a very attractive character, but they, like, smoothed her skin in a weird way where she looks like a doll, kind of. And it's just kind of creepy looking. It just is biz- – because even when she's, like, getting the shit kicked out of her and she's covered in mud and all this stuff, she still, like, is, like, glistening and beautiful. And it's just weird. I don't know. Huh. Maybe it's just because I'm still early in the game and I haven't, like, adapted. But none of the other characters feel that way to me. It's just with her. And it's something about it feels weird. Huh. So we'll see. I am, like, I'm excited is probably too strong of a word just because I'm a little bit meh about playing this game. But I'm at least glad to, like, have another big game to play after Spider-Man. Like, I'm ready to move on to the next AAA game. And then after Tomb Raider will be Red Dead for me. And then I'm saving Assassin's Creed probably for early next year because we also still have Fallout 76 coming out in a month. So there's just a lot of video games to play. Yeah. And so. the Fallout 76 beta is, like, end of the month, early November. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll definitely have to play that. I didn't realize they were doing a beta. Yeah, man. If cool. If you pre-order it, you should be able to get into it. 
Yeah. Um, oh, I should check with mom because I pre-ordered it via Amazon through her Amazon thing. So maybe she got an email. Yeah. Because um, I'm not paying for Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, I do because I'm a sucker. Um, yeah, well, we wanted to money. set up our wedding registry, so we did it through Amazon. That's um, I have played zero video games. Mm-hmm. I have purchased Shadow of the Tomb Raider because it's on sale for $40 on Steam right now. That's true. So it's 20 bucks off. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get that while I'm – I'll play that while I'm waiting for Red Dead because that is also – my next bid game. I am oh so very excited. Then you're gonna have to rush through Shadow of the Tomb Raider if you want to start Red Dead because it comes out in like a week. Well, I don't. Ha- I don't have to beat Shadow of the Tomb Raider. That's fair. I, I I'm at the point now where I like to only have one big game going on at a time. Yeah. I can't multitask. I can play like a smaller game with a big game as a palate cleanser. But like I wasn't gonna play Spider Man and Tomb Raider or Tomb Raider and Odyssey or anything like that's just too much. Too much AAA for me right. at once. Um, what you been watching? Then? So yeah, I have watched a lot because, like I said, Karen and I were home sick several days after. Um, so we binge watched. Um, I think it's a Netflix original, "Haunting of Hill House." It is. It's Netflix because Kelly yes. watched the trailer and she really wants to watch it. And I, of course, was like, "Fucking no, I'm not going to watch this with you." It's actually pretty good. It is scary. Like, it is very... Like, because I also figured... Because, like, horror movies can be scary because of the length. But when it's expanded into, like, a television series format, I didn't know if, like, that could work and be scary. Um, And some of the tricks got a little old by the end. Like, I just got acclimated to them, I guess. But it was still, like, very intense, and the, the, there was, like, a really good mystery going on, like, about the house and the family and all that. Um, and, like, figuring that out as you go along was a lot of fun. So, um, I don't know. I think you should watch that with Kelly, because I bet you could pick up on some of the stuff that's going on pretty well. Because I know you like to, like, theorize about Yeah, but I don't like horror stuff. Yeah, but, like, this, it's not, like, every... Even every five minutes, it's like like a couple times an episode, there will be something freaky. You know I what I mean? Yes. Did just you watch more... American Horror Story? Um, I've seen the first couple seasons. I just okay. didn't really like it that much. The first season I really liked, and I thought, because your point I think is interesting about kind of extending that scariness across a whole TV season is hard to do. And I thought the first season of American Horror Story was very effective at that. Yeah, was a I lot think this is style. also like yeah, yeah, just as effective at that. That's cool because there are just so many mysteries about the house and right. the people around it and stuff right. and people in it um, that it like keeps you engaged um, and like you almost like kind of want the scary stuff to happen because like you want to pick up on like you want more examples of how it happens and what the things look like. And Mm. so you can pick up and and like use that as part of like how you solve the mystery and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're very good at veiling all of that. Um, I'd be interested in rewatching it sometime down the road, just like see if I could pick up on stuff early. Um, But I had a couple of thoughts uh, of like uh, theories about it as I was going through and a couple of them turned out to be true, so I felt pretty smart. Um, but okay. yeah, it was it's good. I, it was very good. I highly recommend it, especially like like this is the spoopy time of the year. It's good to watch <laughs> that stuff. Um, and we also watched like a bunch of movies. Um, so film in forties, we watched Premonition, um, which is, is that Sandra- another Nick Cage joint. No, this is Sandra Bullock. 
Oh, boy. Um, it's even worse. Yeah. It was <laughs> that movie was had and it's the dumbest ending. The dumbest ending. Um yeah, that movie was a mess. I think that was Abby Russell's pick for film in forties. And then also watched Apostle, um, which is on Netflix. And it's like this weird kind of period piece film. I think it's supposed to take place in like the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. But this British guy, his sister gets kidnapped by this cult, like that mm-hmm. lives out on this island, um, and he ha- his hijab is to go get her and like find her, bring her back, and he does that by like um, disguising himself as a member of the cult. Uh, so like takes a boat out there, and like the, just the weird thing is that he makes all these really weird acting choices like the way mm-hmm. he moves his face and like he's just scowling all the time <laughs> um i think i would use the word glowering sometimes okay. like he just has these kind of wild eyes like he's and some one of the ladies even like makes a mention of like it looks like you've seen some things <laughs> like <laughs> she makes a mention of it she's like you're a bad actor yeah, <laughs> like, like during the movie yeah, exactly <laughs> um it's just really really strange there's one guy in it that i recognized but i'm not going to bother looking up who who he is cuz who cares um, it's a fine movie if you're gonna kill time. It's just not that scary. Okay, um, that's that was gonna be my question. So, yeah. is it supposed to be a scary movie? I think it's just more supposed to be unsettling, which it is mm-hmm. in parts and kind of intense. But it kind of like it doesn't really earn some of its moments. I think. Okay. Um, and like there are a lot of just like moments of frustration where it's like, well, why the fuck didn't you do this? You know, like right that I always have with movies and stuff. If you don't believe me, go back to our discussion on A Quiet Place. <laughs> oh, um, boy. <laughs> what, a, what a shit show. Um, but, yes, that's Apostle. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know. Maybe someone else will like it more than I did. And then, lastly, I watched um, what can only be described as one of the worst movies ever made, and that is Hardcore Henry. The movie wow. shot entirely in first person with, like, it's a that fucking bad. GoPro. It's it is so bad. It's so wow. bad. It's so bad. So it has that weird Australian guy in it that I like from District 9. Who Charlto Copley. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. That guy. I already forgot the name. Um, so it has him in it. And, like, the, there's, like, they have this thinly veiled excuse for, like, a silent protagonist where his, oh, like, voice okay. modulator isn't wasn't installed yet. Before all the shit goes down, so we can't talk, um, and that yeah, it's just real dumb. So the chick in it is good looking, but then she like sure is she is working with this maniacal dude mm-hmm. who he's okay. I was kind of on board when it was a bunch of action stuff, and then okay. this dude comes in and he's like moving stuff with his mind and like levitating and shit, and I'm like okay, I'm I'm out. Because now this is, like, really, really bad comic book villain stupid shit happening. Like, hmm. yeah. It was, and it doesn't... It was dumb. You didn't, you didn't think that would that fit with, like, the over-the-top over action? No. Because it seems like, like those things go together. Because it wasn't... It was just so campy. And okay. the guy, like, he had, like, all white hair and, like, the stupid contacts in that make his eyes look like they're glowing. All right. And just, like, it was, it was so stupid. Um... 
and not in a fun way. No, not in a fun way. That was hmm. it was a bad movie. And so like that's too one, bad. One it was the, a fun idea. Yeah. Like one of the bad things about his telekinetic powers is that he sends the main character flying all the time and it like makes you want to throw up. Because, like, the camera's all over the place, and it's hard to make sense of what's going on. Um, But, like, all, like, the, like, on foot, the running around, the shooting and all that stuff, like, that stuff's fun at the very least. But, like, they do all this gag stuff with that Australian guy that's really, really dumb, and it's just... mm. But doesn't he play the character that you are? No. Oh. He's, like, helping you out. Okay. Because I was like, why would you cast him if he doesn't have lines? I was very confused. Right. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. And I guess it's been out for a while. So his big shtick is he's a bunch of clones of himself. Okay. That um, sounds fun. And they're all themed differently, so they all act okay. differently. Yeah. But it, it's none of it's actually funny. It's all just That's really stupid and it's written So it badly. sounds like this was like a fun idea but poorly executed. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's why it was a bigger disappointment is because I was really hoping right. for a fun, more of a Yeah, fun I remember rom. seeing the trailers and being, being – well, I mean, assuming it was going to be very stupid, but assuming it was going to be like the fun, over-the-top, idiocy kind of stupid. Right. And, and it sounds like it's just Yeah, stupid. there are parts of that, but it just felt really like juvenile. Like it felt mm-hmm. like it was marketed towards underclass yeah. high school kids. Right, right. That's um, too bad. Yeah. And then I guess I, last thing, I, I'll just go ahead and throw this in here. I'm almost done with the book Thrawn Alliances, um, also written by Timothy Zahn. He also wrote the other Thrawn book. So, uh, the thing. All right. So I really like their portrayal of Thrawn because it's a little different than what they had in Legacy Canon, where in Legacy Canon he was basically like a supervillain, and he, I guess, kind of he still is, but like you and I were talking about it a little bit before, and. You said it sounds like they're maybe going as like an anti-hero, yeah. Um, twist, which kind of feels more on par with what they're doing. That's I th- feel like that's a good way to describe it because, like, Vader rules his crew through fear, and like their motivation is, hey, I don't want to die. And Thrawn, he motivates his crew through like because he is so good at what he does, and he operates on such. Like, he operates on a level that's so much higher than everyone else that it motivates his crew to be more like him. And so any acknowledgement they get from him is a good thing, and they want to earn that acknowledgement. Right. Which is, like, what a good commander would do. And so, like, he's, like, a good one of those. Yes, he's still working for the Empire, but, like, he seems like he's doing good within the Empire, as far as, like, I can tell. And, like... So it's kind of split in two time periods. There's one where it's like Anakin and Padme and Thrawn, and the other one is Vader and Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like kind of this cat and mouse game where Vader's like, "Does he remember me? Like, this is the biggest guarded secret uh, that Lord Vader is Anakin. Like, yeah. he shouldn't know." But you're kind of like wondering, eh, "Does Thrawn know?" Because if anyone yeah. would figure it out, it would be him. Um, so there's some fun stuff in that, and then I it I think. I don't know this for sure because I'm not done with a book yet, but like I don't really know what Thrawn's in like the past timeline, which I think takes place between episodes two and three. I think Thrawn's motivation is that this is like one of the first times he's meeting people from like the Galactic Republic because mm-hmm. the Chiss live out in the Unknown Regions. Um, and so like this is on the border of the Unknown Regions is where it takes place on this planet. And so like 
Anakin has never seen a Chiss before, and there's no mm-hmm. record of Chiss. So, like, I think this is kind of like a first contact thing for them. Yeah. Um, only maybe the Emperor knows about them. Maybe that's, like, it. But Anakin's been sent out by Palpatine to investigate this disturbance in the Force. Um, and that's where Anakin meets up with uh, Thrawn. And Thrawn kind of helps him solve this mystery. And then, um, jumping forward in the future, there's another kind of... Or no, I'm sorry. The disturbance in the Force is um, Sidious sending Vader to investigate with Thrawn. The past thing is Anakin's looking for Padme. Because um, okay. Padme went out there to chase a lead on a thing. That's what it is. Um, and I think the like future thing happens between episodes 3 and 4. So I think past is 2 and 3, and the future bit is between 3 and 4, I think. Um, yeah. That's like, cool. Like, I mean, given that it's Timothy's on, like that alone would well. make me check it's, it out. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard for me, given that the old books are no longer canon. Like, I love that original Thrawn trilogy and the duology yeah. so much that I'm almost like annoyed that they brought Thrawn back because they've changed his character. And I just, I don't know. It's, it just feels wrong to me. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they've changed it significantly. They just, well, I mean, if they, they're making they him they an antihero, him, yeah, they made that's him more of change. someone that like. I think they took the fact that he was, like, a fan favorite and maybe tried to write him in such a way that he's more of someone you can root for, even though he's on the wrong side, quote-unquote. But, like, Um, but that's not necessary. He was already a fan favorite as a villain. Like, why do you need to make him an anti-hero character? It's just so, I don't know boring to be honest like that's the method of like everybody's a fucking anti-hero now like you can be a bad guy and still be interesting like that's not a negative i don't know yeah um i don't know like i don't like read it and decide for yourself no, you're i right. guess and yes i yeah. haven't read it and i haven't seen the was it clone wars or rebels show where they brought him in I think it was Rebels. Rebels. Yeah, and, and like I haven't seen that. So I haven't seen any of the new Thrawn stuff, so I'm, I can't speak from experience. It's just the idea that they would bring him back and change this character just rubs me the wrong way. It felt felt kind of um, like they were doing it because he's a fan favorite, not because they actually had something to say with that character. It felt the same way about Darth Maul when they brought Darth Maul back. It just felt pointless. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I'm I'm liking it. I just wish it wasn't about Anakin. Because Anakin <laughs> sucks. Yeah, he does suck. Anakin and Harry Potter. They both suck. <laughs> well, uh, I've so also what, been, what, uh, yeah, I've been watching you? some stuff. So, we're still plugging away at the league. Uh, we are on season four, I think it is. And early on in season four, so the character Andre, who's the dude with the gap tooth, he's kind of like the bald, sad sack character that everybody okay. makes fun of. He has a storyline where like he gets engaged to this girl and they're getting married, but she's deathly allergic to his semen. And so there's a whole bit about that because they can't have sex because oh? she's allergic to his semen. Like uh, just his? Yes, just his. <laughs> It's a real thing, I guess, like allergic to some kind of, I don't even, some something, I don't know. But they're at the wedding, right? And Man. the wife doesn't want them to do fantasy football at the wedding. And, of course, they do fantasy football at the wedding. 
And so she gets all mad and she confronts him about it. And he had just been jerking off because he was originally saving himself for their wedding night. But he got warned by one of the guys about the juggernaut. And so he wanted to. <laughs> I know. They have juggernaut. a funny. That's, this is where I go back. It's like Seinfeld, but for terrible people. They have a name for everything, but it's always disgusting. And so they, uh, they make a whole joke about her. And she has MLA, which stands for mouth like anus. And so the way her lips are, it looks like a butthole is basically what they're saying. <laughs> anyway, so she's confronting him about the fact that they had fantasy football there and she's all mad. He had just jerked off into a napkin and she's crying. And, of course, she reaches for the napkin to wipe her eyes and rubs the semen in her eyes and goes blind and then dumps him at their wedding. And so he's, like, just standing there and all of the other dudes are, like, standing there, like, making jokes about it. And he's like, as the the ambulance drives away, he's just like standing there, like looking all downtrodden, and they're like laughing and joking around, and it's just like really dark, even for this show. Like it's really fucking dark. Sounds like he's better off. I guess maybe sure. he should find someone who's not allergic to his semen. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, he like obviously it's a television show; it's not real. His character is hilarious because he's such a tool bag. Like he. Like, he dresses, all, like, he wears the Kevin Federline collection. Like, they always make jokes about how terrible his clothes are because they're all very, like, Jersey Shore-style dude clothes. They're sure. just awful. Anyway, and it just he has bad taste and everything, and he's a plastic surgeon, and they make fun of him because of that. And anyway, it's a very funny character. It's a very funny scene, but that in particular, as I was watching, I was like, dude, this is fucking dark. Like, I don't remember <laughs> it being this dark, but boy, it was a bummer. Uh, and then I'm still watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm only like nine episodes into this season. And I feel like they're already at the end of the whole future Cree thing. They're like wrapping that up already. And I'm like, I'm not even halfway through the season yet. It's just crazy yeah, dude. how fast you know, they, they run fit through like stories. four arcs in the season, Yeah, man. it's nuts. Um, but I did like the episode that was the what was going on with Fitz. Because they bring back would. Lance Hunter for that episode. Yep. And I fucking love that character. Uh, so I was glad to be able to see him. I'm hoping they find a way of like bringing him back again into the cast. I'm not going to count on it, though, but we'll see. And so what was weird, though, is like when they go back to the future, I mean, spoilers for season five of Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Fitz is like pretending to be this like badass marauder, like one of the baddest dudes in the fucking galaxy. And I just don't buy it for a second. Like, I don't know why. I don't know how I'm supposed to believe that he's this like mass murderer. He just... I just don't buy that at all. And I have a hard time believing anyone else in the room bought that. He just, like, he isn't badass. And he's, like, trying to, like, act all tough and stuff. And it's just, it was a little corny, I thought. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. I mean, it's just a fun show. So, I, I'm, I'm, like, very curious to see where the story's going from here. Because they're in the future, being imprisoned by the Kree after the Earth has been exploded now what like now i have no idea where they're just gonna go you with it. wait i bet it's gonna get fucking nuts so i'm excited to see that <clears throat> and then last night we started part two of making a murderer which netflix just released did you guys watch making a murderer i wa- yeah i watched the first season it it was really fucking good and so they put out this second season i guess or part two whatever you want to call it which the beginning of it is focused very much on like what was the aftermath of this documentary like it 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 was such everybody watched this thing and so it totally changed the way people looked at this the events of this and just like people 
being so convinced of this dude's innocence that like they're sending death threats to the prosecutor that put him in prison is just like shows how awful human beings are because like right. yes do i think that he should not have gone to prison sure but it's not because I don't think he did it necessarily. Like, I don't know for a fact he didn't do it. I don't think he should have gone to prison because there were enough holes in the story the prosecution had set up where there is a shadow of a doubt. Having right. sat on a murder trial jury before, I can speak from experience about that shadow of a doubt. That's my problem. I'm not going to say definitively he didn't murder this chick because I don't know. So, like, the fact that these people are, like, writing letters to him of encouragement. Like, he's still in prison like it's until he's officially exonerated with like dna evidence or some literal proof that he did not commit this crime i'm not gonna like act like i'm on his side it just seems weird to me like people are fucked up people are fucking weird so anyway the whole second season is all about this um wrongful imprisonment lawyer that comes on to help him try to get out of prison so it's a lot from her perspective and the part that i really like about the show too is how they dive into the actual law like what they need to do to prove this and the actual legal ramifications and how the judiciary system works and that's all really interesting but also shows like how fucking bad our system is just like all these loopholes that exist and like things that need to happen in order to xyz and there's the so the the nephew the guy who's kind of like borderline has a learning disability that was in yeah. prison because theoretically that coerced this false um uh confession out of him his attorneys their argument because it's purely like he said he was part of it and so they their whole thing is like they need to prove that that admission of guilt was coerced and the fact that it was done without him having a lawyer present or because he's a minor without him having an, a parent or guardian present, that's what they have to use. They can't prove that he is innocent. They can't – like even if they got DNA evidence that showed that he did not commit the crime, that isn't enough to get him out of prison. That's insane. That is insane. Like, and, and the way that the lawyer phrased it, I thought was a really simple way of breaking it down and also a fucked up way. She said, you have no legal right to not be in prison. Like, n- not being imprisoned isn't a right. So you can't, like, if you're in prison wrongfully, you have no right, no legal right to get out of prison. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So they have to. So it's not about proving their innocence. It's about proving that the admission of guilt was under false circumstances. That's what their argument has to be. And I'm like, that makes no sense at all. If he's innocent, he shouldn't be in prison. Period. Right. So anyway, it's just it's crazy, dude. The judicial system is fucked up. Because I think like a lot of it is predicated on the fact that like judges need to exude authority and like total confidence and so you don't want a bunch of rulings being reversed yeah maybe probably part of it maybe even if they are wrong a lot of the time you don't want the rulings reversed because then it makes people question the system which they should but (laughs) like yeah well because like it's a system made up by people and people are shitty and terrible all over the world so why would this system not also be shitty and terrible well and in parts of it it's still a much better system than the vast majority of the world. And it's more, it's more just about like the system is not infallible, I guess is more of my perspective. Like it isn't just 
because it's one of the best out there doesn't mean that it's perfect. It's there are still a lot of problems with it. Is is more where I'm coming from. Right. Well, and it's it's also so dependent on people. Like the law right. should be objective, but it is so subjective. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's kind of impossible to make it purely objective just because of the way that crimes are and work. Like at the end of the day, it's still people deciding one way or the other. Like there, there are very, there are very rarely enough facts to say to prove something. Like you know, the murder trial that I was on, there wasn't. He didn't get caught on camera stabbing a woman or have a knife that had his fingerprints and her blood on it. Like there was no, there was nothing like that. It was all about the entire circumstance. The entire narrative of what happened was what the proof was that he was the one that did it. So very rarely is there that like one linchpin, the smoking gun, as they call it, the proof point that it happened. And so if that was the only way we could convict of murder, there would be a lot of people getting off on crimes and that I don't think would be a positive thing either. So there's, there's no perfect way of doing it. It's just more about, it's important to talk about where the problems do exist because we should only ever be trying to make things better. Right. Yeah. I guess I would just, I would rather have guilty people on the streets than innocent people in a prison. If that makes sense. I get it. I don't like I don't want to look at it that way just cuz that sounds I know it terrible. doesn't have to be one or the other. <laughs> right. Like that's what we that's why we want to improve the system and make it better. Yeah. That's the opposite of what Dwight says on an episode of The Office. Some, <laughs> yes. some quote of his of like better a thousand innocent men go to jail than one guilty man walk free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm going to take a hard stand in the opposite direction of right. Dwight Schrute. Right. That's probably a fair thing to do. Yeah, uh, And then finally, just been reading more of The Expectant Father, my parenting book. So we're on month four, and Kelly has now moved into month five, so I'll be reading month five soon. Um, but month four, the kind of like takeaways for dad was all about financial planning of like setting up a college fund and life insurance and setting up a will and all that kind of shit, which was like terrifying. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> terrifying. That's the word I would use. Yes. Terrifying. So hopefully month five has something nice about like, hey, here are some ideas of creating the nursery room. That's the stuff that I want to read. Not it's going to cost $500,000 to raise your child at a minimum. So that's yeah. Hooray. <laughs> it's a bundle of joy. <laughs> it's a lot of money. It is. That's it half sure a million dollars. Is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... That'd take me a long time to earn half a million dollars. Yep. That would take me 20 years. But the thing I come back to is, uh, like, millions and millions and millions of people have made this work. So we're going to yes. be able to make it work. Like, that. Yeah. that that's what I keep telling myself to put my mind at ease. It's just... It's still a lot. It's still stressful, regardless of how you try to look at it. So, what say you we move into some news? Yeah. So, a bunch of um, video game outlets. I know IGN, GameSpot, and Game Informer, I have all seen elements of this, have put out Fallout 76 gameplay. So, like, big chunks. I think you said Game Informer had, like, a three-hour session, right? Yeah, because a lot of these news outlets were invited to go play for three hours. 
So yeah. I assume some of them condensed the footage down to like the most That's what IGN parts. did, yeah. I, yeah, I watched IGN. Game split it was... into three video segments. Okay. I think it's like two and a half, two hours, 45 minutes. Okay. So I should probably watch someone else's because I only watched IGN's, and that's only one part of it. After watching it, because I skipped through some bits, but I watched the majority of it, I am very worried about this game now. It just, it didn't look good, like, at the the bottom line. It just, it didn't look fun. It looked empty and boring. Did you feel differently after watching the Game Informer stuff? Like, were they commenting over it? Um, so they didn't capture their talking audio, yeah. but they talked over the footage afterward. Okay, so with IGN, um, it was just gameplay. Like, there was no okay. voice or anything. It was just the game. And so I know, like, if you and I are playing together, we'll be chit-chatting and talking, and that that makes anything more fun. But yeah. just thinking of, like, hey, if I want to play this game by myself occasionally, I at this point, I'm looking at this and, like, I don't want to do that. Because it's just, it's... So Fallout 4 is, and Fallout 3 and Skyrim and all those other single-player games, they are huge worlds, and they are long, and there are huge sections where there's nothing... But it's immersive. You're immersed in this world because of the music and the NPCs and the stories and the ambient things you discover. The gameplay I saw of Fallout 76 was just lacking most of that. So all the music that was playing was just like ambient world music. Like it wasn't like a radio station thing. And that, for one, made it makes it so much more boring. Yeah, well, I think there vast... are radio stations. Okay, maybe maybe that's better. But, like, just vast open areas where nothing happens. And, like, there are no NPCs in the game other than occasional robots. And so it's just, like, it. the world just feels empty at the bo- at, at a bottom line. And that's just, I don't know. It just makes me really nervous. And there's some other, like, gameplay stuff, like, with the VAT system. it's Because it doesn't slow down time, obviously, because it's all multiplayer. So instead it just, like, auto-locks on to the enemy and hits them at whatever percentage of vats, but your gun doesn't lock on. It's just like, like I'll be aiming straight ahead, and the enemy is to my right, and I still shoot them anyway, and that just seems really poorly designed. Yeah, that part of it's weird. It just seems fucking dumb as hell. Well, yeah, I, I think is what, like, vats was never intended to be real-time, and so, like... But then make the gun lock on to the enemy, like visually. Yeah, there must be some. It doesn't make weird, any sense. There must be some weird development lock, or there, something that they can't figure out easily. Because um, otherwise, obviously, yes, you would have it do that. But there must be something weird about that. Okay, but then figure it out. Like my, I, I don't sure care what the I'm reason sure they're is. Working it's, on it. Like it's bad. The way that it looks is bad. So do something about it. Like, why Why does it yeah. look bad? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's... I, I frankly... Like, I don't care what the excuse is with the development. Like, they should make a different decision then. If they can't... Like, if it, it feels tacked on, I guess is my point. It feels pointless and tacked on. And just... Part of it's tough because i watching IGN and for whatever reason, IGN exclusively hires people to play their games that are bad at games. But, like, the person playing the game was not good at it. So it doesn't help. But just right. the the shooting looks sloppy, which in Fallout 4, it, it was good, but it wasn't great. And so, like, by removing the NPCs and the world building and a lot of the ambient exploration and the uncovering of the stories, if you take all of that out, it's just like an online 
vaguely multiplayer shooter with not that good of shooting mechanics. And that just doesn't sound appealing. See, to me, I'm looking at it as Fallout, uh, Minecraft in Fallout 4 is what I'm looking at it as. Where, like, you know, in Minecraft, there are, like, there are a couple of, like, big high-level objectives, but a lot of the smaller, like, minute-to-minute stuff is, like, personal goal-setting for yourself. And I feel like that's yeah. a lot of what this is. It's more of a sandbox, more of, like, a personal goal-setting with some larger, higher-level quest stuff um, that you're, like, working towards more slowly. And, like, obviously, it's like Minecraft with events set in Fallout 4. Like, stuff is emerging, is emergent and happening, and, like, you're in that world, and that part of it is immersive to me also a lot of what i saw from game informer is a lot of the areas you enter like you want to be on the lookout for notes and hollow tapes because they're going to lead you towards like item caches and like hidden stuff because like people would squirrel things away like and you're not going to find that just browsing through like one of them was like oh, there's a key under a vase and you can use that to unlock this thing so, like, oh, you got to, like, find the vase, and then, like, you lift the vase off, and, oh, there's a key. So, we found the key, and then I was able to get into, like, this really good loot stash full of, yeah. like, leveled stuff. Um, and, like, there's a lot of things like that where it's more – it's, like, environmental storytelling, which I think they've always done a pretty good job with. They have. It, se- it seems like they're packing that sort of stuff in because they know there's a lack of NPC of direct storytelling. So, they want to give you more emergent and more environmental storytelling um, to pack that in with the assumption that you're going to look at it like a Minecraft where there's personal goal setting or you're going to be working with people. So like you're going to be chit chatting with them during it, or like you're going to be team goal setting like, Hey, we want to like go investigate this area today. Let's go see what that has. We're going to relocate our camps to this place or whatever. Um, and so I don't know. Like I'm still the my big takeaway from the footage was there are some areas where the frame rate's bad. Yes. Um, and that has like that I don't like because I remember Fallout 4 on the PS4 not running yes. all that well. Yes. Um I I have a feeling I'll probably buy it on PC too. Um and it'll run a lot better on there, but I want it on PS4 so I can play with you, obviously. Yeah. Um as Sorry, far as Vats, my computer sucks. That's okay. As far as like Vats is concerned, I think I'll only use it for, like, PvP or if there are, like, enemies that are hard to see or that are moving really fast that I just can't keep up with. Or, like, if it's dark out and I can't see very well, I can use VATS to kind of supplement my aiming. Because my the aiming in Fallout 4 is more than serviceable to me. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're not talking it's Doom 2016 or Call of Duty right. levels of like feel good but it's more than serviceable i think people give it a harsher knock than it really deserves i think it's totally fine it Uh, is um, it is totally fine my point wasn't that it was bad but just that like it's it i don't care about it not being amazing because so many other parts of fallout 4 were amazing and a lot of those other parts aren't in fallout 76 sure and that's what makes me nervous about it and the, sure. the individual goal setting looking at it like minecraft that all makes sense to me the ambient environmental storytelling 
Yes, they have always been, Bethesda has always been phenomenal at that. But those have been supplemental pieces to core stories. And I'm not talking about like the main storyline because those have typically been underwhelming in, in Bethesda games. But there are so many side stories and so many great characters that you interact with where the story, the, the, the mission that you undertake, the quest, the payoff isn't the loot. The payoff is the interaction with the character or what you learn about the world. And without that, then it just is the loot. Like, oh, I go through this quest and I get a new gun. And I go through another quest and I get a new gun. And that's just like, I worry that that isn't going to be fulfilling. Yeah, I guess I think that's like maybe a little too reductive because you are still learning things about the world in that area. Maybe, maybe, yes. And like, they're... I'm not saying that they're 100% compensating for the lack of NPCs and other stuff like that, but they're beefing it up in other areas and other ways that I... Like, you can't play this game like Fallout 4. I think you need to approach it more like a Minecraft, which, right. like, you're going to get different things out of it. And for a series... Like, for a development studio that's looking to expand and branch out and try something new, something they're excited about, something they can have like themed events and stuff that go on and have it be like kind of this persistent online community, persistent Mm -hmm. online world that they can continue to update. Like they're clearly very jazzed and excited about that. And I kind of want to be along the ride to be along for the ride to see how they approach that and how they take that and how they take the feedback and evolve it and develop it over time. I want to be a part of that. Um, and also, like, I also know there's a big new Elder Scrolls coming, and there will be another big Fallout game in the future. Yes. There will be, you know, Starfield or whatever it was. Yes. They'll, they'll be doing that. Like, so I know those experiences that I know and love and am comfortable with are on the horizon, and so I'm okay with experimenting with something new. Absolutely. Um, I'm totally, like, and, and I was super hyped about Fallout 76 from the get-go. I mean, I've been a bit up and down as we've learned things, like, yeah, certain yeah. things make me nervous, certain other things sounded really exciting, and I've been very up and down on this, but by and large, like, I'm, I have been very excited to play it and check it out and to see what they can do with this style of game. I mean, I pre-ordered Fallout 76. I'm getting it. We're gonna yeah, play it yeah. together. It's purely just watching this gameplay, and maybe I should just watch more, and then I can hear them talk about it, too, on Game Informer and maybe get a little more context for what's happening. But just watching that gameplay is... Even at my lowest excitement for Fallout 76, I was still really interested in trying it out. After watching this, frankly, not that I would make this decision, but I was like, ooh, I like, I'm not sure I even want to play this game. Like, it looks actually bad. It doesn't just look like not quite there, missing something. Like, it just looks bad to me. So, hmm. I'm still going to play it. I want it to be good, obviously, because I love Fallout. I'm still paying 60 fucking dollars for it. Well, actually, I think I'm paying. $49 for it because I got it on the Amazon pre-order thing but yeah anyway, me too like I want it to be good don't get me wrong it's just it's watching this made me very very nervous for the longevity for one and me my ability and desire to play it solo occasionally I just I'm not sure that I'm gonna want to do that but your perspective on looking at it like Minecraft that might be an apt comparison. Like that might put me in a better mindset of that individual goal setting where it doesn't feel like I'm just wandering around finding random right. shit. If I set an objective for myself, that might make it more engaging. Yeah. And like, I think part of the problem is that it's using the fallout Four engine and things look so similar and they use a lot of the assets and stuff that of course people are going to make 
that comparison with a core RPG. But just the thing to know is that it's not one of those and you need to go into it right. with different expectations, yeah. like a different mindset. And that has that has to be a conscious decision that you choose to make. Otherwise, like you're going to have unrealistic expectations or like disappointments for it. You sure. Know? Like it, it will result in disappointment because you're not thinking of it accurately. Um, if that makes any sense. And part of that's on them to like market it better mm-hmm. and explain it better, which I think what is what this gameplay thing was about, but all it really resulted in was just more people shit talking the game. Oh, I've seen so many people being negative about it. Oh yeah. On, like people for, like, like cancel my pre-order. For like, very fuck different everyone reasons. Who, whatever. It feels like half the people bitching are like, this is just more fallout four. That's bullshit. Which, which like makes so much less sense. Right. That's because it's not it's so like, different. yes, it's still in engine fallout four engine, but the game is very different than fallout four yeah. in, in and, terms of its mechanics. And for one, of course, it's the Fallout 4 engine. Yes. They built a new engine for Fallout 4. They're right. going to use it, dude. Like, and, that's expensive <laughs> shit to do. Part of my thing is, like, and I know a lot of people didn't like Fallout 4. I obviously love Fallout 4. It was my game of the year that year. But, like, if this yeah. was just more Fallout 4, like, I would I'd like okay that, that too. too. Like, I'd be yeah. cool with that, absolutely. <laughs> like, and if you want to other... release more DLC for Fallout 4, you let me know. Right. And then there's the other people bitching where, which is more the side I am on, where it's just like this just this doesn't look like what they tried to sell me. It, it this looks unfinished, like it looks like a school project version of this game they're trying to make, which is kind of where I'm coming from. It just looks like half some half baked ideas, like they haven't spent enough time on this, and I don't know. It just that's also how Bethesda does their games, man. They put right. out their games before they're ready. And they let people play around, and they fix them over time. And I don't think I don't love that aspect of it. And with a game like this, where there's so much more shit that can break, seems very dangerous. So, but we'll see. We'll see, man. I just yeah. I want to have well, it in my and, hands. And this, I want to get in there and play it. This whole thing came about. At, it sort of is like a school project kind of thing. Like it's their development studios. Like they've always wanted to experiment and yeah. try like a multiplayer. And like they had. Like I, in the no clip documentary, Todd Howard or maybe it was one of the other developers there was talking about how they had early prototypes of like co op in Fallout Four mm-hmm. where they were playing together and just messing around and having fun. And so this is kind of an evolution of that. So yeah, it kinda came about and like I don't know. It it's something that the team is very passionate about. And usually when a team is really passionate and excited about something, there are there are a lot of positive things to gain from experiencing it. Yes. Even if there is, you know, the typical Bethesda janky bullshit, things are breaking, whatever, there's still a lot of positive things that can come out of it when a team is so, like, gung-ho about it, mm-hmm. like these guys clearly are. Mm-hmm. So, like, I want to I see what they do. And I'm, I'm not going to, like, set my expectations, you know, over the moon. Right. I'm going to try and be realistic about it. I'm going to try and view it, like... I gotta set some personal goals or team goals. I'm gonna like there will be days where I just want to fuck around because I haven't done that in a game in a while, um, and there will be times where I want to like dig down, dig deep, and like try and like figure out some of these like environmental puzzles that they have and stuff like that. Or I want to hunt down one of these like mythological creatures yeah. that they have from the area. Um, like all of that sounds like a lot of fun. And, and you in- know, if I if I get thirty hours out of it and then I'm done. That's fine. Like, I will move on to the next thing. Sure. Um, but my hope is 
that they update it and they add content and they have fun little events and stuff that keep me coming back. Right. In the IGN video at the end, they did fight. They were like four or five people that fought some big monster. And that part of it was cool to see like everybody fighting at the same time. This big yeah. creature. That part of it was seemed fun. It was more just like the minute to minute and all the crafting and everything. And I was just like, oh, this just seems tedious. But yeah. And I mean, you know, I really like those survival games yeah. where the minute to minute is yeah. that kind of boring. And maybe I mean, stuff. If, if you and I are playing it together, maybe you can like get me into that style of thing. Because I just I know from experience I fucking love Minecraft. It's one of my favorite games ever made, but I can't play more than like 30 hours in a world because I get bored and I hit a wall and I'm like, all right, what am I going to build now? And then it's just kind of, I, I fall off and that's how I am with that. And I have right. no interest in most other survival games. So it's just not my style of thing. So, right. And that's where I think help. this like higher level overseer quest might help that, that. will, yeah. that will bring you to all the different areas. I think it will help because eventually it hits a point in minecraft where like you've done everything so many times that you don't want to do like progress any further in the world like you've been to the end before you've set up an end farm you've done all the nether stuff but like in the like it's because you've played hundreds and hundreds of hours of minecraft like i have and like if i get to the point where i've played hundreds and hundreds of hours of fallout 76 and then i get bored yeah that's fucking awesome (laughs) oh yeah um so I don't know. We'll like, we'll see. I'm I'm excited, and like I I know a lot of other people are excited, and those of you who are on the fence or on the other side of the fence about it, I just encourage you to like keep an open mind, and if it goes on sale sometime, try it, or like at least reserve some judgment until the game's out. Well, and for plenty of people that are on the fence, the good news is everyone is going to be talking about this game when it yeah. comes out. So if you're not getting it day one, which I always encourage for people that aren't sure about something to wait. The only reason I know I'm getting this day one is because I want to be able to talk about it on the podcast, obviously, but also I know you're getting it, and so I want to play it with you. But if right. it was a single-player game that I was on the fence about, I would not be buying it right away, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I feel like there's this stigma that like everyone has to play the newest thing when it comes out, and I, I feel like we're, we're getting away from that a little bit, at least like people in my generation are as we get older, but... yeah. There's still just this, like, you have to be playing the hot new thing when it comes out. And if I'm on the fence about something, I'm not going to just invest $60 arbitrarily in something I might not like. I'll wait and see reviews and watch some gameplay and, and that kind of thing. So, nothing wrong with that. Now yeah, let's like, I'm kind of at the point where yeah, it, there, are, there are a few releases throughout the year that I know I'm going to get. And I'm going to get them and I'm going to make time mm-hmm. when they come out to play them. But everything else, like... If I'm bored, I will get it and try sure. it. Yes. But yeah, I, I I too am kind of past the you know, the release day shenanigans. But I'm sure one of the games that you are making time for is Red Dead Two. That is correct. So there's been a bunch of fucking news in the past two weeks about yeah. all of the crunch happening at Rockstar, a lot of drama there. I don't know. it I because in the Giant Bomb Facebook group that we're both in, there's just been a ton of discussion. And I just feel like talked out about it a little bit. But I yeah. feel like it's something like, we need it's to not at least bring up here. It con- isn't. It's like just people bitching. Either. And like we yeah. don't know all the details. And again, it goes back to the making a murderer conversation. Like people make assumptions and then they think they, they treat that assumption as a fact. And it doesn't matter right. what anybody says, what they believe is a fact, even though they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So 
it's a very complicated issue, obviously. Crunch is not good. Like, forced overtime is not good. But when you work in a field like this, for people that are wanting to work overtime, that d- isn't bad. Like, a culture right. that makes you feel like you have to do it is bad. Yes. But choosing to do it, there's nothing wrong with that. Let people make their own decisions. So, it's com- it, it is. It's complicated with Rockstar because there, yeah. there was this culture of forced overtime, which is a negative thing. But it's yeah. just there's, – there's become a, like, let's shame people for working overtime. And that, That's like, what why? it kind of became. Why? Yeah. It's just, like, let people live their fucking lives. Right. Well, they, like, pe- the kind of people who say that all overtime is bad are the kind of people who work nine to fives. Right. Or, like, or the kind of people who are in a situation where it's forced overtime. Like, if you're passionate about a project, like, I direct. So, sometimes, I'm working 70-plus hour weeks. Like, do I want to do that? That's a hard thing to say. Like, I... I'm invested in the end product creatively yeah. and I want it to be successful. So I put in the work and I feel good about it afterwards. Um, and I just like know that that's something that happens like the two weeks, like the week before a show and the week of a show, like I'm going to be pulling 70 plus hour weeks. Right. Um, like that's just the way it is. And like maybe better planning and management could make it better, but not really like there are always things that crop up in any creative field that like you just can't anticipate. So there are a lot of people talking about like bad project management and all that kind of stuff. When you're dealing with this kind of a, this kind of a project that has this kind of a, this immense scope and this big of like an employee base, like all these moving parts, like, yeah, it's their job, but like people are fallible and sometimes you need to put in a little bit of extra time to make it happen. Right. If you're invested in the project, um, and you should like you should want that like you should want to do that because you're invested in like your work especially in a creative field you shouldn't just be doing it for a paycheck um and even if you are just doing it for a paycheck sometimes it's necessary sometimes working more is necessary yeah and and like from what i understand at rockstar like people are compensated you know time and a half for all of their overtime all their weekend hours like they buy them food and they do all this stuff like to acknowledge that hey we know you probably would rather be with your family and but like you know thank you for being here and working this and like yes of course a company is going to incentivize people to work overtime like of course they're going to because it to some degree like some people need to do that to get shit done right and like some people on a project aren't going to have as big of a workload as other people so they don't have to do it and that's great that's their position and that's fine but like i don't i don't know it's it's just a big shit show and like a lot of people who it like does not affect them at all and yeah. never will because they work yeah. nine to fives weighing in on this shit and that is what annoys me like yes everyone should feel good about where they work they should feel appreciated and people who value time with family should have their time with family. They should have their free time, their personal space. But if it's happening, like, once every few months there's a week where, like, you work, I don't know, 55, 60 hours every few months, which is what it kind of sounds like is the case, fucking whatever, man. Right. Like, shut the fuck up. Just bang it out. Do it. Get the extra money and find your time elsewhere because, like, with a project like this that's years and years long, as you approach release, 
of of course you you know you have years of lead up knowing that shit's gonna get real pretty soon mm-hmm. like you should be able to plan for that i don't know so we had our big leaders event at my job a couple weeks ago where i was the event manager and yeah. so i was out of town for a whole weekend where i was working from five like i guess so i got up at five so i was working from 6 a.m to 10 p.m non-stop for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I was out of town doing this event. And I went, when I got home, I went right back to work on Thursday. And I'm salaried. I didn't get paid extra for any of those hours. But it just fucking happens. Like it was a special customer event and I just had to work more to do it. It's just the way it goes sometimes. Right. Like I'm not going to bitch about that. It sucked 100%. But like I had to do that in order for this thing to get done. Like, yeah. What what else is going to happen? And we're just not going to do done. the event because I don't. I'm not going to work on a weekend. Come on, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and like in a perfect world, yes, you know, the 40 hour week would be a universal standard we could hold ourselves to, and like everything would get done. And well, this is the real world. Like the world doesn't run on 40 hour weeks, man. It yep. just doesn't. Yep. That's not how it works. Um, and like from what I can tell. Like, there, like, something came out recently about, like, one of the studios of Rockstar was having um, mandatory overtime, and that has since stopped because of all, like, the backlash. Like, that's a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it shouldn't, like I said, it shouldn't be mandatory, but, like, if you're invested in the project, it should be something that you're willing to do. Like, yeah. that should be, you work in that field, you should be invested in the project, and you should be willing to do that. Like, it shouldn't have to come from management. Management shouldn't have to say, hey, you're going to work this weekend. You should be like, hey, I'm going to put in a few hours because I know we're running behind. Like, to help yeah. the team. And then the conversation needs to be about why are we behind? What can we right. do to not be behind to stop yes. that from happening? But yeah. if they're going to... Sometimes gonna, it just does. If they're going to make the fucking thing, they need to make it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, if they don't work the overtime, the game doesn't get made. And then what? Like that, there's other stuff that needed to happen, but it's just this like hindsight judge mentality yes. that people have. Like we're and again, like they don't fucking know anything about the situation, and yet they think they know what needs to be done and what it's right and wrong. It's so yeah. fucking stupid. And they think like just because they're coming from a good place, whereas like you know treat all workers fairly or whatever, they think that just because that's the side they're coming from that they're right about this yeah and sorry but it just doesn't work that way man people like, are you, annoying you, you don't gotta make death threats on the internet about it dude you <laughs> gotta personally attack me about it yeah in far more important red dead news uh rockstar came out and announced the size of the game yes and it's quite large it's a big one. so for the physical edition it does come on two discs. Which is fucking crazy. That is. W- one of the discs is just for the install. The uh, the second disc is the one you use. So you, there's no disc swapping to play. But for the physical disc, it is a 99 gig install on PlayStation 4 and a 107 gig install on Xbox. Yep. For the digital, 
same size, but the PS4, you need an extra 50 gigs of empty space because of the way that installs work on PlayStation, which is a terrible way that it works. It's stupid. Yeah, it's bad. But, so you need 149 gigs of empty space in order to install the digital version of Red Dead 2. Right. So good luck to anybody installed, with the 500 you get that 50 gig. gigs back. Yeah, but still, it's still a 100 right. gig game. Yeah. Good luck to anyone with that 500 gig PS4 that's trying that's to use me, this dude. shit. You're going to have to delete like half the games on your hard drive. Yeah, but that's fine. I can re-download them if I really want to play them. That's still terrible. Like I something's got to get fixed here. I, you know, with the PS4 Pro, so I have the terabyte. That's still a ton of space. Like, we need to figure something out. Either games need to get smaller, or they need to have ha- larger hard drives as part of these systems. Yeah, that's that's the real thing, is, like, they should have seen this coming. Yes, Like, games 100%. getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, the pack-in hard drives should have been much larger. Because even but, normal like, games are 40, 50, 60 gigs. Right. Like, you know, this is huge. This is the largest one, but it's not like all the other ones are small. Like, even, right. even a game, a relatively small install of a triple a game is like 20 gigs that's still so much space it's crazy we need like five terabyte drives in these systems and then they need to not fucking rip us a new one on the cost of those larger hard drives consumers end up having to pay the price for this shit it's true sucks i need to figure out when i'm gonna play red dead because i want to be able to talk about it while you're playing it too on the podcast, but I'm not going to be done with Shadow of the Tomb Raider in a week. I know that much. Oh, man. I'm going to be playing it all next weekend. Yeah, I might bet. have stage crew Saturday, but apart from that, like, all Friday night, all Saturday afternoon, <laughs> all Sunday. That's my weekend. And you'll get, like, a fraction, a tenth of the way through the game in that time. Yeah, not even. I'll probably um, stay up super late on Saturday playing. So, Days Gone was delayed. Uh, yeah. F- I forgot about this news story because I kind of don't really care about Days Gone. But, um, so it was originally supposed to come out on February 22nd, which is the same day as Anthem. Yeah, that like February seemed... and January is a really jam-packed. Yeah, because Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out in January. Yeah, what else? A ton of stuff. Man. Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe comes out in January. Uh, Devil May Cry 5 comes out March 8th. The Division 2 comes out March 15th. So, yeah, those first couple of months are uh, pretty packed with video games. But um, Days Gone has been delayed to April. So, I mean, it's a good thing for the game to not come out the same day as Anthem. That's going to be a huge game. So Yeah, so, they and said, it's not the kind of game that that developer has made before. They yeah. haven't really made an open world. Yeah. So give, giving them a little extra time for polish and... And uh, balance, I think, is probably a good thing. Right. It's certainly very rare that it this would be a negative to give them more time to work on the game. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, I still am not all that excited about it just because, I don't know, watching it, it, nothing about it seems all that fresh. And I'm not a big Sam Witwer fan. So we'll see. Need to see more of it. Um, more news about The Walking Dead final season, which just like the Red Dead Crunch stuff, I'm getting kind of sick about talking about this shit, but it's important. <laughs> so last episode, we had talked about how Skybound, who was the publisher of the comic, is taking over development of this final game. So Skybound CEO has come out and said, hey, we want this final season to still be developed by Telltale employees. 
So they're trying to figure out a way of like hiring all these Telltale folks to come in and finish the game. No big details. Like this was done through a Reddit AMA, just saying that he wants to fill the staff with 100% Telltale, ex-Telltale employees if possible. No real plans on that if it's going to come to fruition because I bet a decent amount of I'm I would imagine they don't need as many people as worked at Telltale and that not all the Telltale people will want to go back to finish this. So we'll see if it how many of the Telltale f- people end up working on this project anyway. But it's a good thing at least to give them an opportunity. It's obviously not a long-term solution to their job search, uh, but it's something. So we'll see how it how it falls together. Right. Um, and then we got a trailer for the new event, I guess you'd call it, for Destiny 2, Forsaken. Yeah, sort of like how they had the um, the, the Solstice event leading up to forsaken mm-hmm. um now they have like a halloween event which is a uh, festival of the lost yeah so they had a they had halloween events in the past i think with destiny one and destiny two um where it's just like there are different masks you can get some new rewards bounties it's just like a free thing it's live right now i believe i think it was october 16th it went live um it also tr- turned the infinite forest into the haunted forest, uh, where there are um, lions, tigers, and bears that you can fight in there oh in the haunted forest. No, um, but it's like a sort of a horde mode where you get fifteen minutes to go in and kill as many people as you can, and then you get rewards based upon that. And also has like a new quest line where you get um, like a repeatable thing for a new powerful reward each week. And then they said some there's some kind of like special thing that they haven't really revealed yet some special villain or quest that they haven't really talked about well there's yet. a murder mystery okay um, and it has to do with the crypt arc on whatever that place is not the not the tower the but farm no um shoot the traveler a, i think he's from the forsaken hub i think is there a crypt arc Right. We still uh, haven't finished that story. I don't know. Right. There's some other Cryptarch guy uh, who I think was murdered, and you have to kind of like solve his murder. Okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah, just they're killing people off now, man. I know, dude. First they got K6, way six. Too many interesting dude. characters in Destiny Two. <laughs> the really the real linchpins of the series. Yeah, the keystones. So I'm sure for people that are super into Destiny Two, this is just a fun excuse to play some more of it. Yeah. I still have very little interest in finishing the Destiny 2 story, but or Forsaken story, but we need to actually do it at yeah, some point. Yeah, we need to. Because I, I do want to check out the end game just because I've heard good things about it. I personally want to try out the Gambit mode just because it seems interesting. It's just with all these other games that I have that I want to play, getting me to play Forsaken is not something I'm looking to do <laughs> very right. often. Uh, we also got some details of the new Spider-Man DLC, like I mentioned. So it's Black Cat-focused. It's out this week. In it, there are three new suits. There's the Resilient suit, which is a brand new design. There's the Scarlet Spider t- Mach 2 suit and the Spider UK suit, which is really cool because it's like a Spider-Man outfit with the kind of British flag sort of integrated into the design. Um, comes with some new missions, challenges, new enemy type. Uh, additional crimes can't wait to do fucking more of those 
and then uh, <laughs> trophies, obviously. And the New Game Plus is already live. So you can play through and get a trophy for the New Game Plus, And then there's like an extra hard difficulty mode you can get a trophy for as well. So I will definitely be checking out this DLC. I'm not in love with the character design of Black Cat. She is my comic book crush. And this version of her isn't as hot as I want her to be. <laughs> um, Man, she, cause she, this version of her looks kind of like the ultimate Spider Man Black Cat, I think. I cannot picture Ultimate Spider Man Black Cat. Let's look it up. Yeah, look at, looking, looking at Google. Um, I mean, in this one, like, she looks like a real person. Because in the comics, she doesn't look like a real person. She looks like a, what, what do you call it? Um, those like old nineteen fifties models. Pin- she looks like a pinup model. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Never mind. I guess she does kind of still look like that. Yeah, I guess this is kind of a different take. Oh, I just see a bunch of different. Ooh, whoever this artist is is terrible. Yeah, the whole look with the like zip down leather thing where her boobs are just out. That I'm like. Let's dial it back a couple of notches. Like, that's just unnecessary no, man. teenage boomerism. Dial it forward. Move us into plaid, bro. Uh, now, now I just want to look at black cat images. Oh, hey, if you Google Down search boy. black cat, it usually just comes up with actual cats that are black. Just as an I would FYI. assume so. So now let's spend the rest of the podcast looking at pictures of black cat. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> What's the artist Jesus that does, like, Christ. the best black cat? She's so fucking hot. Okay. <laughs> All right. In this one, she's actually topless. So I'm going to cancel that. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, it was a joke for the podcast. I was playing it up. That was okay. It wasn't a joke. We're in a fight now. They're real feelings. No, but as I was just scrolling through, there was actually one where she was topless, like a drawing of her. And that's when I was like, okay, this is this is enough of this. Rule 34. She's, this is, she's a fake character like she's not a real person it's weird she's better than a real person <laughs> she's better anyways. because she isn't a real person yeah exactly <laughs> okay uh anyways spider-man dlc yeah so i mean it looks fun I- i'm excited uh, to have an excuse to go back to the game so uh i'll be able so to when talk is about that coming out episode. huh uh this week i think oh, okay um uh okay so here this here's a fun story so the game the stanley parable came out in 2013 and in it, I mean, it was a very, like, fourth wall breaking kind of walking simula- simulator puzzle game. I loved the game. It was awesome. Really funny. Uh, kind of, like, Portal-esque in its sense of humor. And uh, there was an achievement in the game uh, called Go Outside. And you cannot unlock that achievement other than by not playing the game for five years. And so it came out in 2013. And so this week was the first time you could earn that achievement if you right. played the game when it first came out. So, warning to people that did not play the game when it first came out, like me. It, I was like a couple months after when I played it. Do not log into the game, because if you do, it resets the timer. And so you'll have to wait another five years. So I am going <laughs> to just be safe and wait like nine months, and then I'll load up the game so I can get that achievement. Yeah, um, put it on your calendar for like, I don't know, next yeah, exactly. September. Set a phone alert. Um but it actually is not the most difficult achievement to unlock in that game. The most difficult one is called Unachievable, and you literally cannot earn it, period. You cannot earn which that is, achievement. Which is pretty good. Although I think 5% of people that have played the game have earned that achievement, 
which because just shows just yeah because they in. cheated and like hacked the whatever steam system to unlock the thing so that's it's just funny to me that you have a literally unachievable achievement good for you <laughs> Um, okay, so moving into television news, so a lot of stuff's come up about the Marvel Netflix shows, because they recently canceled Iron Fist after season two, and then I, just like yesterday or today, they also announced that Luke Cage is canceled after season two. So that makes sense. They Neither have come- of those really lit the world on fire. True, true. Even though Jessica Jones is worse than either of those, more people yeah. like Jessica Jones, so fair. Um, but they have come out and said, hey, we're not canceling all the shows. Like, they're still going to go on. It's not up to Disney or Marvel to make the decision. It's still all dependent on us. So my assumption is, I mean, D- Daredevil Season 3 just came out. Um, so we'll see. I think maybe this is a little bit more PR than reality because if I was Disney and I was opening my own streaming platform, I would want to have all the characters that I wanted on my streaming platform. I wouldn't want them to be on competing streaming platforms. So I would imagine that Disney is putting the heel down on the throat of Netflix and kind of making it difficult for them to keep the licenses for these characters to keep them going. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. If we do actually get a season three of Jessica Jones or a season four of Daredevil, or if this is going to be the end of, of Marvel on Netflix, which... I would say is a shame, but I haven't liked the majority of them, so I'm not really going to be that bummed. I just hope that if that is the case, that Disney some- does something cool with these characters. So we'll, we yeah, shall when see. When does that Daredevil Season 3 come out? It's out. Oh, shit. It came out yesterday. I know. I'm trying to oh. finish Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so that I can watch Daredevil. Ooh, yeah, I man. gotta watch that. Hell yeah. It looks awesome. I've heard really good things about it. And then final news story. I'll hand that off to you, Kyle, because you're the one that's going to have stuff to say about this. Yeah, so um, the partnership between Crunchyroll and Funimation um, has ended. So basically, uh, Funimation is a studio that is used, like, they uh, localize and, like, subtitle and, like, get the voice actors together for a lot of um, anime series. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's kind of like Crunchyroll and Funimation had um, kind of like a basically a partnership where like they would like Funimation would do dubs and some subs and stuff for okay. series on behalf of Crunchyroll like they were paid for it and stuff. Um, so uh, bas- uh, Funimation is getting its own service. Because uh, AT and T just acquired Warner Media, um, and Crunchyroll was joint operated by AT and T and another company, and they were rolled into Warner Media as part of that acquisition. Mm-hmm. Funimation, which Sony owns, oh. um, is a direct competitor yeah. to Warner. Yeah. So basically, Crunchyroll kind of got rolled into a competitor right. of who owns um, Funimation. So. Obviously, they're not going to work together because they're owned by two larger conglomerates that are direct competitors. Um, So a lot of... I don't know if it's just the dubs or if it's just the shows in general, um, but a lot of them are going to be moved over to Funimation's own streaming service. And there are a lot of like really big hitters, like One Piece, My Hero Academia, which my wife and I really like. 
uh, Your Name, Attack on Titan, which I really like, mm-hmm. um, among a lot of others. So like, I've heard of some could, of these, so that means yeah, they're big so ones. The the th- big three: One Piece, My Hero, and Attack on Titan. Those are like three really big pop culture touchstones right. as far as anime goes. Like, just a lot of people know about those, and like people who don't watch anime could see characters or images from those shows and go like, yeah, I recognize that. Yeah. Whereas you couldn't with a lot of anime like that. Is One so Piece like the a big... pirate kid one? Yes. Okay. Yep. There you Monkey go. Monkey D. Luffy. Yep. Uh, with the stretchy arms. Mm-hmm. Um, Kara and I got to like episode 130 or something of it and we're like, we're done. It's just <laughs> like, it's that Saturday morning cartoon yes. where, nothing where nothing happens every episode. Right. right. Yeah, and it takes like forty episodes to get through an arc. It's just miserable, and half of the episode is a recap. Previously on, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so it's kind of it's really disappointing because I liked having all of my anime in two places: Crunchyroll and Netflix. Yeah, and now like I'm gonna, gonna be three. Like, do I have to get Funimation too? Yeah, and it's like, does will Funimation have a Roku app or will it work right. with the Fire Stick? Right, like Crunchyroll does because that's how we watch a lot of our anime is in bed through a fire stick um or i would imagine they're gonna have roku if they're gonna take it seriously and have their own platform they're gonna have an app for all that crap you have to nowadays yeah um and i guess apparently vrv um has signed an exclusive deal with high dive which is a streaming service that focuses primarily on english dubs for anime so apparently they have teamed up okay because vrv is like this other service right um Yes, I don't know what that means in relation to this story. Um, if Crunchyroll is going to work with them or what, but yeah, Crunchyroll and Funimation parting ways, which is a real, sh- which is a real shame because I like Funimation's work. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, I see their splash screen on a lot of the stuff that I watch, so it's a that's a that's a big shame. Uh, I'll probably still keep Crunchyroll even if those shows go away because there's I there's watch a lot so of much other, other random shit. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it's a bummer because I don't expect their pricing model to change. Um, mm. So I'll just be paying more money for anime. Which, <laughs> I'll do it. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> but you'll do it, and that's all they care I'll about. I'll do it. <laughs> like Red Dead 2, even though you're not happy about it, you're probably still going to fucking buy it. Sure. Um, so, last little thing here before we move into a quick hate of the week. So this is just something interesting that I saw. So IGN's review of Black Ops 4, they have separate scores for the multiplayer, the zombies mode, and the blackout battle royale mode. And then they're going to have a combined score, which I don't think is just like an average. It's some sort of weighted, personalized score for the entire package. But just wanted to hear your thoughts on what if that was the approach that they and or other outlets took for games, where like you had separate scores for individual pieces because previously like old reviews would have a graphic score a sound score a story score a gameplay score and then that was either a weighted average or some straight up average for the whole score of the game but this is more like individual components so like a multiplayer score versus a single player score i think in this sense in this instance it makes sense um because like Frankly, they could make zombies its own game, right? And maybe they should, because like the people that want that, like that's what they want, right? You know what I mean? And like they would pay separate, you know, a separate fee to to get that. Um, and then like battle royale also should maybe kind of just be its own game, because that's the really big hot button thing right now. And then also their multiplayer, 
maybe should just be its own game. So, like, the fact that they packaged them together, I get it. So it's kind of like you're paying 20 bucks for each thing. Well, and that's the game. thing. They're not going to separate them because they'll make less money. Because right. at this point, like, if you want the multiplayer, you're willing to pay $60 for the multiplayer. If they charge right. 20 for each, you'd only buy the multiplayer and they'd only get $20 from you. But what like, if they charged 30 for each? That's the thing. If they charge 30 for each but 60 for the whole package, that's a conversation. Yeah. And you have to assume that most people are going to get at least two of them, if not all three, then okay. And I feel like the Battle Royale thing as 30 bucks that makes sense. I feel like the zombies thing put out into its own they like maybe maybe like a little extra work, 30 bucks. I feel like that also makes sense. And the multiplayer at this point I feel like people would pay $30 for that. Sure. Like just that. Yeah. So I feel like that makes sense. Right. But like for me, the one piece that's missing is the that I give player. a shit yeah. about is the campaign. Right. There's no campaign. But so I, like, I would not I, pay thirty dollars for the campaign, though. I would pay thirty dollars for a campaign. I'd pay. Tw- I pay twenty, maybe. Dude, I've paid sixty dollars for a Call of Duty campaign before. That's fair. But you weren't so happy. about it. I would pay it. thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't happy about it, but I did it, and yeah. I would still do it. I just, I think um, the the review thing is interesting. I do. I think it makes. Yeah. I think it makes sense also. But it's like, right. where so do you draw yeah, the line on that? Then, like, if you look at a game like Red Dead Two, is going to have a multiplayer component. So are they going to review this the the game separately from the multiplayer and then have a combined score? Like, why? It, it just feels like a weird line to draw specific to Call of Duty. It just feels weird to me. Uh, it doesn't feel weird to me because with, like, I, I would have accepted, like, a Grand Theft Auto Online separate review for, like, GTA Online and the, and the story. But that's what I mean. They're, so, they're like, so different. But that's just such I'd a be, weird line. To, like, where do you draw that line? Um, hmm. I get maybe you draw the line with like how many people do you expect to engage with that part of it? But it's like, but if you're buying something, you're buying the full package. Like you're not only buying the multiplayer. Yeah, in, in, but in terms of reviews, you're thinking more about clicks. Sure. So if you break yes. it up, if you break that up into three separate clicks, that's a good thing for you. One hundred percent. I'm not arguing about their marketing of the review scores. It's 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 the actual efficacy. Like, the meaning of those review scores. Because, like, look, think about The Last of Us. That had a separate multiplayer mode that was had nothing to do with the single-player mode. Should they have given a separate review score to the multiplayer? Um, I don't think they, so. If they had, it wouldn't have bothered me. I guess. Yeah, and I guess, like, I'm not, like, up in arms. I'm not, like, like upset for, for the end, For the it's end user, weird. I don't think this is a bad thing. It just allows them to expound more upon each part. And if you look at, like, oh, the multiplayer got a 7, but, you know, the blackout got an 8.5 and the zombies got a 9, like, you can choose how you want to aggregate that and create your own weighted system in your mind about whether or not, like, well, I don't really care about the multiplayer, so the fact that that got the lowest score, I don't care about it. The mm-hmm. other two parts I'll play, and that get an 8.5 and a 9, so yeah, I'd probably go ahead and buy that, mm-hmm. right? So, like, at, for for the end user, maybe it creates, like, slightly more work, but I, I, I think it's just, it's a good thing, I think, because it allows them to engage in greater depth in a single thing without someone having to load like this giant long web page full of this huge compilation review of right. these three disparate things um it's so, like that makes sense like a 
on the monetary side. Yeah, it makes sense for them to break it up because it's more clicks. It also makes sense because of the length of the review would be very long, and it makes it easier for people who only care about a specific part of it. Um, and then also, from a score standpoint, if they're not creating their own aggregate review score, then people can do that themselves with their own mental weight on the different parts of it. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. No, I and I'm I'm definitely not saying it's a bad thing either. It's one, it's just an interesting discussion piece because I've never seen IGN or another outlet do something like this before. Yeah, I mean, and it's also about like I feel like if they're gonna do this for Black Ops, they should also do it for all other games where it has this too. Like it just and maybe feels they will. weird. It just I don't know. It just I get if they were only gonna do it for Black Ops, I get why they would because it's such a huge release. But it just feels weird to me. To not do it for other games. That's what right. it is. I mean, may- maybe they will. Maybe this is yeah. like the this beginning the of that of move yeah, maybe. for them. Yeah, and I definitely like see the value with this big tentpole release and kind of like right. see how people react to it mm-hmm. in this large test case and then decide, okay, is it really worth it for us to do this or not? Do right. people react well? That makes sense to me. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not a genius. But <laughs> it, it does make sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, I I, just, I saw I the splash page and, and I was like weird. That seems bizarre to do. Yeah. I mean like not not in a bad way, but just like surprising that they would do that. Um, yeah. So we'll see if they do it again or if someone else kind of adapts that. Review yeah, structures video are so game weird. Reviews are weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, the, like video game reviews are weird. We've had this conversation before. Review scores are completely arbitrary. Like putting yes. a number on something like this is is so stupid. Just period. I only do it because that's what people ask for, and so I have to do it. Otherwise, no one reads my stuff. But it's dumb, and I hate it, and it takes away all the nuance out of a review, which is the entire point of a review is the nuance. Yeah, like I wrote this whole thing. You should read it. Yes, but I won't get back up on my soapbox about review scores. This at least adds an additional layer to them, which is probably a good thing. Some some nuance to the scoring system. Right. So, what do you say we do a hate of the week and then get the hell out of here so I can cough the rest of the night? Hate of the week. All right. So, this is a, I mean, I do get passionate about it, but this is more of a, this is kind of a fun one. So, I was watching Thursday Night Football via my Amazon Prime app, and Fox has Thursday Night Football. And so all of the commercials during Thursday Night Football on the Amazon Prime app are for Fox television shows, which sucks because Fox television shows suck. But this particular one was a a commercial for the Tim Allen show, Last Man Standing, which seems bad. But in in this commercial... It's the Halloween episode. And so Tim Allen does a Halloween-themed bit that they decided was so side-splittingly hilarious that in this 15-second spot for the show, this is the joke they've got to fucking show America to get them to watch Last Man Standing on Fox. So here is verbatim the bit. It's creepy, man. It's dark. It's evil. It's like voodoo or kale. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess my 
frustration is that that isn't a joke. Like, it literally isn't a joke. It's creepy, man. It's dark. It's evil. It's like voodoo. Or kale is not a joke. Because you can say or blank. You could say anything. Literally anything. And it's the same bit. It's creepy, man. It's dark. It's evil. It's like voodoo. Or applesauce. It's like voodoo. Or Republicans. It's like voodoo. Or Tim Allen's career. Like anything you can say there. And it's the same fucking quote unquote joke. (laughs) (laughs) So it is a joke. It isn't. It is not. That's not a joke. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There's no setup. Dude, I'm not saying it's a good joke. The, The whole all the parts are there. There's the setup. And there's what's the setup? What's so the, the setup? setup is the establishment of an idea. And the establishment of, of an idea is it's creepy, man. It's dark. It's evil. That's the setup. That so isn't a you, setup. You establish the thing you're talking about is dark. It's evil. It's creepy. Those are the adjectives being used. So you would expect the next things that come out go along with that theme. It's like voodoo. Okay. Yes. Voodoo. That tracks. It Yep, goes like that. So, okay, so the next thing is also going to be creepy, dark, evil, like voodoo. And then they say kale. That's, it's irony because it's a subversion of your expectations. You expect the next thing to be said to also be creepy, dark, and evil. That is a joke. Well, it is an irony. It is a fucking horrible joke. It is irony because irony is a subversion of your expectations. It's verbal irony. It is. Mm. And that is the crux of most humor, is the fact that it is ironic. Dude, I, I, would sit not... in on, I sit in on a 10th grade English class every day. We've done a lot of discussions about irony. <laughs> I would not quantify this as irony. The, you saying that it's a setup and a punchline, fine. You, you're right. In, in a very broad sense, it is a setup. It is a punchline. I think in a broad sense, it is irony as well. Whatever. Because... Like, it, something is ironic because it is not what you expect. Okay. Would you expect them to say something that does not fit the setup? This, this no, isn't... No, you wouldn't. This isn't the point, though. The point I, isn't whether or not it's ironic. No, but your your point is that it's a it's not a joke, which is wrong. I don't think... It is a joke. It's just a horrible joke. But my point is that, yes, it's a setup and it's, it's a punchline, but the two things have no relation to one another. It's not specific because you can have to be because it is like it like, yes, you're correct. It could literally be anything as long as it does not fit with what has been established, which is creepy, dark and evil like voodoo. As long as it doesn't fit that, it could be anything, which yes, but that doesn't make it not a joke. It's just not smart. It's very stupid and dumb and is a bad joke that I don't think hardly anybody would laugh at. Fucking people were losing their minds in the laugh track. That's for sure. Because they (laughs) put in a laugh track. (laughs) They were losing their shit over this rip-roaring kale joke, bro. How topical. Kale. Right? (laughs) Everybody hates kale. Right? Right? So what's the deal with kale? 
<laughs> it's like evil. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is, you're wrong. It is a joke. It is a joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's a joke, but it is. <laughs> that only makes it worse. <laughs> it's bad, regardless yeah, of what it yes, is. It course. is so bad. And I like I know I, what you're going for. I saw this this commercial like eight times when I was watching the football uh. game, and every time I was like banging my head on the table. Like it is so painful. Cause it's it's no, it is nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> it it's zero effort. It's so fucking bad, dude. There was another bit that was like because it's on Fox, it's very right leaning, and I don't I don't remember verbatim what the joke was, but it was something of like, she's being a stubborn Republican, and she's like, yeah, well, she's being a close minded, judgmental liberal, and he's like, yeah, well, that's obvious. Ooh. <laughs> and like to be fair that isn't verbatim but that was effectively what the joke was and like again like that's it's i get it it's a setup and it's a punchline it is technically a joke but like that's not a fucking joke dude it's not a joke <laughs> it isn't that's not a joke kale come on guys what are we even doing here seems like a bad show yeah, don't just don't watch the show. Don't. <laughs> I wouldn't. They're making me. I'm, I'm just trying to watch football here. And then <laughs> I got to see. Me watch this and show. then I got to see fucking commercials for the Cool Kids, which is their new sitcom, laugh track sitcom, single cam or uh, multi camera, of course, which is about old comedians living in a retirement home, which pisses me off for a whole other set of reasons. Because my buddy and I, for the longest time, were developing this show called Heaven's Doorstep, which was like we our pitch was it's Scrubs, but it's in a retirement home. It's called Heaven's Doorstep, which is a brilliant name. Yes. And it was, I mean, obviously we didn't pitch the show. It's not like we were in the progress of, in the process of developing it with a network. But we can't now because Fox made the cool kids, which takes place in a retirement home. And so no one else is going to want to buy a retirement home show. Fox also ruined a different idea of, for that we had, which was of a buddy comedy that was uh, Charles Dickens. Wait. I think I might be misremembering. It was Harry Houdini. I think it was, yeah, Harry Houdini and, no, Harry Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Because Houdini, who was a magician, did not believe in supernatural stuff, like ghosts and hauntings. But Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was a fiction writer, but all his stuff was really grounded, did believe in ghosts. And it was this fun dichotomy, and they were friends. And so in our show, the two of them were like mystery crime solvers dealing with supernatural shit. It was like an X-Files uh, Scully and Mulder thing where like one of them bought into it, one of them was looking for the scientific explanation. It's a fucking brilliant idea for a show. It's like semi-historical, semi-fantasy. And then Fox made a fucking show and I think it was called like Doyle and Houdini or something and it was a buddy comedy about these two characters and guess what? It got fucking canceled after like three episodes because it was bad as shit. So Fox ruins all my good ideas. Coming next fall, Writing Dreams, a comedy about three underdog characters that write people's dreams. Can It'll be imagine? on this show for eight episodes starring so fucking Luke happened, Perry. Then, then you could sue them for intellectual that's copyright. That's fair. Yes, that's fair. Because we have a WGA 
not like patent, but like we're registered with the WGA for our right. script. So that actually so, would be theft. So Fox. Yes, please go make ahead. this show. Please make a Dreamwriters because it's the only way I'm ever going to make any fucking money from that show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so don't watch The Cool Kids. Don't watch Last Man Standing. Please, God, makes, make Fox pay for their crimes. And I am sorry, but it is a joke. <laughs> it's not a, No, it's not a fucking joke. It I know. I, I get it. I, it literally is a joke. I get that. I wasn't yes. seriously arguing that it wasn't literally a joke. But come on, guys. That's not a joke. <laughs> All right. So let's end the episode as we always do with something that we don't hate. Because I need this right now. I'll say I don't hate having these big, stressful projects that I've been working on finally off my plate where I can go back to some normalcy in my life and actually enjoy video games and TV shows and not just have these, like, stressful things in the back of my mind ruining everything. I do Mm, not hate that. That's a good feeling. Um, I don't hate that Red Dead comes out this week. (laughs) And it comes out on a Friday, so I'll actually get to play it on the day it comes out. Yeah, that's good. That's amazing. Yeah. That never happens. <laughs> I need to muscle through Shadow of the Tomb Raider so I can start playing it soon. It won't be this week, but hopefully soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Kyle, as always, thank you for watching. And if you want to... What? Thanks for watching my face <laughs> while we talked through Google as Hangouts. always, thank you for watching. See, that's a joke. <laughs> Uh, uh, end it if you want to read jokes go to shayhateseverything.com it's my website got shit on there thanks for watching the podcast (laughs) through your ears we'll see you in the next one peace out